are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes <laughs> of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. And today we're joined by Cosmo on Zero Nine, as always, because she's my rock, she's my island, and uh, I'm me, I'm David Cameo. What, what, what else do you want? I'm here all the time. That's well, right. you know, except when I'm not. <laughs> like the, the two times I think no, I, I think, decided to take some I think some we've back. established that you just live in this box. I live in this box and then the sometimes box. I hide. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I, I I play producer God. And then, uh, you know, when Carol's on the show and you guys are together, like, oh, let's let them play for a little while in these waters. See how it, see how it, see how it feels to guide a show. Okay. Sure. You see how it's like. It's not hard. that easy. <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about politics in the pre-show. What's the pre-show? Oh, the pre-show. What? There's a pre-show? Well, if you want to be a part of the pre-show, as well as these episode recordings like Sharon D and Issa are, why don't you buy us a coffee? Head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. For less than a cup of coffee, you can get 30 days of access to our supporter back content, of which are unedited episode recordings the minute they're done recording, the ability to join us in these recordings and lend us your thoughts and more as we go on. But in case you don't want to jump in right away, for now, you can get our unedited episodes for free. Pay what you want. It's our way of kind of roping you in to support the podcast because we're even. <laughs> no, we, we love you. And AMC's Talking Dead is behind a paywall until November 22nd when they finally go public on AMC. So we thought we'd give you something for your efforts. Just like we made it so that you guys could join us in our episode of recordings during the kind of flattening of the curve during the pandemic. And then also going on to doing our live watches of movies and then also doing Jackbox games. Yeah. You know, so we thought we'd, get, we'd give you something even more. So follow us, first of all, just go to coffee.com, ko-fi.com. Follow us at our account at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. So you know when these things drop and you can be aware of what's going on. That's all. Yeah, we're talking about politics in the pre-show, which we will never talk about on, on squawking dead, period, ever. So, you know, even last, even the last episode when I did my little preamble, not the last episode, the episode before where we're talking the walking dead world beyond, I went into a little preamble about everybody, regardless of the outcome, we have to come together with unity. I turned it into a clip. I put it online. That's it. That's that. And it really isn't about politics, just about people having to learn together to adapt and not do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, trying to escalate or rage quit. Everybody's saying fuck AMC in the chat. <laughs> I just love that. We can get behind something together. Yay. <laughs> Let's get behind something with hate. Mutual hate. <laughs> Mutual hate of AMC. <laughs> First of all, have you guys noticed that Rachel has her little shutter shades? Shutter shades. Thank you. She's looking very stylish today. Right. What what inspired you to look so stylish? Oh, you know, just trying to trying to be cool like Huck. <laughs> <laughs> You're not too cool for too too jewels for cool, right? That's right. I'm too I'm too cool for jewels, but I'm just the right amount of cool for Huck. <laughs> <laughs> That's I dig it. I dig it. I dig it a lot. It makes sense too. Right? Uh, if you watch the show, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. I'm seriously embarrassed. Me. Embarrassed. Just to start off this episode right, everybody should know that this episode was directed by Michael Cudlitz. Right? First. Yes. Cool. First thing I noticed. He made some really cool choices like uh, near the end. This is the only noticeable real choice. Maybe we'll figure something out later, but love when Felix was talking to Tony, Tony Del Motto, 
when he was talking to him, he chose to actually show him through the passenger side mirror while he was talking to Felix. Felix was in our view facing him, mm-hmm. but it showed Delmato on the left of him because of the rear view mirror. And mm. Delmato was almost slightly off screen on the right. I thought that was a cool touch. If you notice it, okay. you know, when they're talking about the CRM and the, and, the, and the truck and going into it's like the most noticeable choice in terms of artistic license you, that he made, I think. You are definitely going to be having to fill me in on a lot of the details. I've I only gave this episode one watch and I haven't I haven't watched it again and I definitely don't have any notes to go on. So this is going to be a really interesting episode. <laughs> yeah. Also tell everybody why this will be even more interesting of, oh, of an episode. Because I'm drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you would just quite say it like that. I was but trying you know, to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> you did really well until one point when you said... Gonna have to do it. I'm like, oh, what did Strand say? The 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 mask fall. The artifice falls and the mask drops. (laughs) What do my my parents always say? I'm not slurring. I'm speaking in cursive. (laughs) (laughs) Broken cursive. No, I'm not judging you, but what's going to make this episode really interesting is that sometimes it's good to be in a place like this because then I will say something and then you will suddenly remember something. It'll go, oh, 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 like that. Yeah, that's what I'm counting on. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I want to mention something. I feel like I've always kind of wanted to, but not really, because I haven't really thought of how we would do this is like, I've always wanted to have like a smoke out episode and not really to cover like an episode of whatever Walking Dead property, Uh but like just... Just, just like one of those specials, like we all have like one toke of weed and then see where everything goes. Like, oh, we'll try to read news and it'll be like, I'll be like, oh, I'm reading this upside down or Dude, fuck that's, the news. That's every episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. God damn. Sorry. Listen, you're talking to somebody who, who won't drink, who won't drink at work because I'm so serious when it comes oh, to shit. my time. I will never, I've never drank at work and I never will. Well, so I, I take my job seriously. I didn't drink at work either, but to be fair, I worked in an animal hospital. So I literally had lives in my hands. So you don't really want to drink and save lives. So I didn't drink at work either. <laughs> but you know, you know, you know how it is though. Like, let's say you're at the hairdresser, you know, you're sorry, not the hairdresser. Let's oh, say I've you're, definitely you know, been drunk at that work <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah how, how am i supposed to get by come on dave come oh, on yeah. son let's get real here oh god yeah there are some haircuts yeah. you just need to get wasted after okay so let's talk about the intro sequence because it felt like an intro sequence oh, right it was the shadow so, puppet scene it was so cute it was so pretty yes it was beautiful i mean i literally like after it was done i'm like is this the new intro sequence yeah. Like, cause so far they haven't had one, you know, per se. They ha- would have the logo, the Walking Dead World Beyond right, on situations. Right. Yeah. And, and technically they did that here too, but mm-hmm. they did it in such a way where Iris has her little, uh, voiceover with the same shadow puppet scene that we see at the end. But I love how, like, it, it was touching, like, when we were watching it, it wasn't nearly effective as when we saw it at the end of the episode. Like, when we saw it at the end of the episode, there's context, there's the idea of sameness, the idea of how, we're all trying to look at what happened and know the same facts about what happened. Mm. And yet we all have to deal with it in different ways, or we're trying to deal with it different ways. I got to say, I, the only, the one thing I didn't like is that, um, Iris did her voiceover at the beginning, but then we didn't hear anything at the end. And I realized, you know, we should have just remembered what Iris said in the beginning. And 
I was trying to, but I felt like the end would have been so much more impactful if we sort of heard heard that story again, even if it was coming from Tony Delmato. I would have I would have liked to hear that story again as everyone was sort of watching it because I was trying to remember what Ira said and I and I I couldn't remember everything. Well, it was very matter of factly. That's the thing, right? So, I just I would have know, enjoyed like, hearing the narrative along with the story of the um the shadow puppets again. I yeah. thought it was way more. I thought it was way more powerful without it. See, Sharon, you saying it made me cry at the end, and for me, there was a disconnect. I would have cried. Uh. I would have cried had I heard that story again. Uh. But I was too busy trying to remember what Ira said instead of focusing oh, on going on. That's see, that's that's this is something that I was talking about with you, and I can't remember if it was pre-show or during an episode. But I was worried because we we're watching two episodes a week in order to break these things down. My worry was that. That when I watch it the first time, just to enjoy it, I'm worried that I'm analyzing the over analyzing the episode, not just taking the time to actually enjoy the episode. And so I didn't feel that way because I didn't, I didn't want to have to go back or like do this or do that. Be like, oh, I want to compare this scene to the last scene. Mm. Like, I don't want to start in my head psychologically going saying, oh, no, no, now I want to hear back the beginning, what she says here, compare it to here. I just want to let it unfold. And like, yeah. if you just watch it and you realize what happens in this episode, like, oh, why are they so different? You know, why is this group, Percy and Tony, different than the kids in this? And you know why. But we also know what happens with people. Like, we are coming into the show knowing about the Walking Dead universe too you know so we can't deny that we know that people suck yeah. you know, people are yeah. well you know what people are worse than suck uh, in the zombie apocalypse they're they can be killers they can be this they can be that they're not friendly whatever you know you know the whole thing so when we come into it we, we're like trying to say oh how are they going to deal with people this is something that i said two episodes ago last episode we haven't had people to deal with people and so when it comes to that though and you see what unfolds in this episode and you see actually how it goes down I, it makes me wonder that like the sameness of these two people like knowing how it went down why you know not maybe not why it went down but know know what it was sort of like before know what it definitely is now and how we're all dealing with it and and how they find like this common ground of like yeah we all are in this now whether we're together or not is a whole other story but when they're actually looking at this scene the, you know this idea of like oh we're all seeing this in the same way it went down people turned like the idea like i mean what was even shown was like okay parents with their baby in a in a, in a stroller you know showing that the dog jumping up and down and, and yipping away in a park and then seeing the traffic, the the idea of like the everyday people stuck in traffic and having weekends, something that Iris says in the beginning. We take what Iris says and bring it to the scene. Oh, yeah. But but there's just more meaning to it because by the end of the episode, the whole gang is kind of like wondering, are we ready for this? You know, <laughs> yeah, I was expecting when we met people that we they'd be desperate to kind of cooperate like us, you know, like we're out here, we're used to having everybody kind of cooperate operate in this kind of religion of the campus colony of like where you know, we all have to pull together kind of make a better future but not everybody they come out they go out there and they when they meet people now they're they're gonna see rampant self uh independence like and not everybody's gonna be the same as you and yet everybody's the same as you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody's gonna react in the same way in the world but everybody is the same as you yeah and in that sameness they all kind of felt something together like they were all feeling the same way but they're acting differently sure that last scene was so 
beautiful. I love what they did. So Tony and Percy go around doing this show for different communities, right? And that's how they make a, a, an income or how they survive. Or, di or different Correct? different people they run across. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So this is, this is say, hey, here's what we have to offer, you know, in exchange for whatever you can provide for us. Okay. So with that being said, I had a lot of things going through my head at, in that, in that last scene. One, this was absolutely beautiful. I loved it. It was, it was gorgeous. Just what people need. I mean, you don't have movies, so this is the next best thing, right? right. Two, I, I, I wanted to hear the story from the beginning again. I, I personally, right. personally, I just wanted to hear it again. Even like I said, even from Tony, cause it's his show. Right. Um, third, I thought, holy shit, they're going around and spreading this message to people. This is effing depressing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, but, who, and, 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 and we see everybody like getting emotional watching this too. And I'm like, who's going to pay for this show? This is terrible. <laughs> Before they actually show the shadow puppet show, you have like a little moment where, you know, everybody's like kind of distraught. Like they don't know what to make of what they just experienced. You know, everybody's all over the place. You know, who do we trust in this world? I don't know who to trust in this world. They're, they have this like come to Jesus moment where it's like, oh, this wasn't at all what I thought it would be. I thought it would just be us versus the zombies. Like basically Rick's thing is like, look, it's us versus them. We have to come together because if we don't, we're all dead. You know, we're all, we're all going to fall prey to the rot and the, uh, yeah. and, and the decay. K out there, you know, and, and, you know, it's just the way things go. Like it, you, you're have you're fighting this battle on two sides. Why don't we just fight it on one side and survive this thing? How 2020 of him. Uh, <laughs> oh. So Silas is to Felix. Some people make it so easy starting over. Right. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, you know, they had it so easy. They, their community had done the starting over ahead of time. And he, it's funny how his comment is so weird. Well, I like that. It's Silas saying that too. Yeah. It's, it's important that it's that that's coming from silas because he doesn't yeah he's in this spot where he just doesn't feel like he has this beginning you know he never started right well and i don't think i don't think silas considers the apocalypse starting over i mean they were so young at the time like for him starting over is everything that happened after his dad died <laughs> right right <laughs> you know you know that for him is starting over and right whoever percy is makes it look so easy right exactly but oh and well the irony of percy having lost his parents also and also being taken care of by his uncle yeah 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 so Marco if anything, Silas should really relate to, to percy yeah but yeah and maybe he does that's the thing i think there is part of it where he kind of just lets it go i mean you see this a little bit when i mean obviously he doesn't know everything about percy at the time but there is a maturity to him actually letting iris go uh behind wilma's closet i think <laughs> was the the little clothing store that they go up and that where Percy and Tony do the con with the with the walker and the bathtub and the, the room oh, with the cigarette. Oh, I miss I miss the name of it. It's like Filene's basement. <laughs> Daiquiri is. Town instead of Margaritaville. Uh huh. It's kind of cute. So he says that, and then Iris says to Hope, "I wish I knew which part of him was the lie and which part was real." Mm -hmm. But Hope gets it again. Yeah. Hope gets it in the beginning. Hope gets it at the end. Hope gets it basically throughout, and I'm here for it. I'm. <laughs> very here for it because yeah. she says it's because of her past you know which iris now knows he's the same as us yep. we all have parts and, and you think she wouldn't understand percy by the way this is the thing that i like the most is that for all her not really trusting percy she gets him because she sees like that this is what they decided to do to get by and so she continues we all have parts that we want people to see and parts of us that we tried to hide it's all real and then the thing starts the show starts 
parts and what the, what does the show depict? What they actually want you to see, what these con men actually want you to see, their feelings, the things that they really can't tell you. Yeah. You know? And that's I that's what made me really sad is that they this is their show. They they're the ones who put it on. Well, you may be watching this and thinking, "Oh, I love what the art department did in on this show. Oh, that was a really good sequence." But you have to in it's easy to kind of write that off as like, "Oh, the show did such a great job with the sequence." But you really have to kind of lock yourself back in and realize Tony and Percy had cut out these shapes and they put the strings together to put all this up because they wanted to build something to make people feel something. They wanted to show what they thought of the world. And what's weird about it as you watch the sequence, they are the same. They are seeing the world in the same way. They saw they they knew kind of how it was before it fell. They knew the idea of weekends, travel, planes, you know, all these things. They also know how horrible it is out here. But they also as they're venturing out in the world, they see the beauty in the most unexpected places. You know, the plants growing out of the walkers, the walkers becoming one with trees, oh. the the beauty in unexpected places. Like the, which is what that flower is supposed to be yeah. meant to be. All the that pictures sort of that Elton's capturing right now. That's the beautiful yeah. that's out there. Yeah, like take for example, like the snake skin, which is something that uh, Nisa brought up. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not Nisa, uh, Sharon D. Sharon D says the snake skin Elton sees at the beginning of the episode is also a Huck Finn reference. I mean, which oh. is, they're, they're going through all the Huck Finn references now. Uh, <laughs> let's just get out of the way. And David has to come back to it. You make my job hard. Huck and Jim both are, are both superstitious and the snake skin is super bad. It's a super bad omen to the Ooh. point that they feel that their misfortune further ahead is due from the snakeskin. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a very cool reference. I attributed I it that. more to Percy isn't the only one pretending to be someone other than Elton's mom's killer. Mm. Hope. Hope. Mm -hmm. So like, this is what I attributed the, the snakeskin to, which is kind of like, I mean, look, you can have double meanings, obviously, you know, uh, they, these things both are true. The Huck and the Huck, uh, Huckleberry Finn and the um, Tom Sawyer references are going to be all over the place. What, what do you make of Hope's behavior throughout this episode? Well, I, towards I think Elton specifically. Oh, towards Elton. Oh, she's yeah. she is atoning. She's atoning. I agree on a surface level, obviously, because it I, looks like she's trying to go through it. I don't think she plans on telling Elton the truth. I think she's just going to go. Like she got close, though, right? It did. It it did. It did look really close. And I'm going, no, 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 not yet. You haven't talked to Iris. Don't do it. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I really I, I really want her to talk to Iris about it first. Um, I do think that Elton deserves to know. Oh, that is going to be an awful conversation. No matter no matter how it goes, it's going to be awful. And so she's going to do what what she can to make up for it. And in her right. mind, finishing this uh, manuscript is is atoning for that. Okay, that's cool. I like what you said just there. I think this is why I want to keep analyzing this this sort of situation because it really does go back to what you said in the initial episode, which was hope is a little psycho. Boop, 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 boop. But it makes you think. Like I like to see these things. And I'm here for eyes. it. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I like to see these things from your eyes because you were the one who said it first really and and have stuck with it i i've kind of moved away from that i've definitely moved away from that position <laughs> look i'm always on the watch for it obviously right this is what i have to do but i'm I, i'm gonna have a gonna fall it on some end of the scale at some point on a certain position of what i may think is going to happen or what i may think is going on and when I see all this, I see somebody who's really trying to ultimately assign the value of her actions. Like basically, oh, the only thing I thought of at the end of that was like, is like Hope trying to figure out the meaning of what a life is or the value of a life. Because when she sees Elton go through this and describe what his mom means to her, and actually what's what's weird is how 
it's almost like torture porn. Like she is inviting this. And the more she invites this, the more she's realizing that, oh my God, Amelia meant as much to Elton as maybe exactly her father means to her. Yeah. And the connections are so, you know, up to, up until the point where Elton says, oh, I met your dad. He read my mom's work, loved it, encouraged me to write the notes in it, which is the thing that almost gets him, her to admit to him that, oh, I killed, I killed your mom. <laughs> Sorry. I killed your mom. Sorry. Oops, my Sorry. bad. I'm so embarrassed for you. Oh my God. My bad. That would be, that would be funny, not funny. Ugh. Yeah, right? That's, that's what really gets me is that like, I feel like she is not running away, which I really, like, again, the sign of maturity. Like, I feel like she's really not trying to run away from this thing, which makes me think she's not a psycho, which makes me think she's like Morgan's all life is precious sort of thing. And I just want to know how precious it is. Or maybe like, okay, let's play the devil's advocate here. Like, maybe she knows or feels like there's a part of her that is could be a killer without thinking. And she's just trying to prevent that from taking hold. She's trying to assign a value to that and trying not to fall into this inclination, this dark inclination, and hoping that that alone will help her stop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Stop her from being that. So I'm, I'm, I'll play both sides of this. That's fine. But her trying, think, which is the only thing we can really ever do, trying to assign value to a life she helped end is atonement, but I think it's more than that. There's something where like, if there's even a chance for me to make up for things like Dwight, let's say, like, you know, working under Negan, mm -hmm. then I have to do all the good I can. And if that means I try to do everything I can for Elton, maybe that'll count for something. Sure. Yeah. You know, yep. that's like, that's like if, it's like if Dwight had somehow come back to TWD and had to deal with Daryl again. Oh. He's hoping that fine, let's say after finding Sherry, just what we know now, what we know right now, oh, I found <laughs> Sherry, let's go back to TWD and talk to Daryl. See, Daryl, Daryl, I, I did good. I met a bunch of people and I helped them find each other and then, and you know, all this stuff and I'm trying to do good out here. What do you think? And Daryl be like, fuck off. <laughs> we just beat a skinheaded lady and, and you know, with her, her skinwalker people and we barely survived the whole thing. Hilltop went down with the fight. Like, I don't have to deal with you right now. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go. What if, I mean, what if, what if, what if that happened? What if Dwight showed up back up on, on The Walking Dead and Dwight and uh, Daryl just shot him right there on the spot? Yeah. I told you, I told you, if I ever saw you again, I'd kill you. And he does. Yeah. And here we yeah. are, like, we've seen everything that he's been through and how much he's changed, and, but Daryl hasn't. <laughs> Or actually, well, no, Daryl's changed a lot in, in those six-year time jump. Yeah, I mean, he's Plus, talking to Negan, so that's something. Yeah, yeah. So if Dwight does come back in the picture, what does he? What does he do? Right? Oh man, I don't know. With Sherry, he'd be with Sherry, arm in arm. Like, right, see, yeah, I, right. I, I did what you said, and you know, six years. I think it's like a prison sentence. I always think of time in terms of a prison sentence. Okay. Like, okay, oh, six years, five years. What does that change? You know, how does it change somebody? And you hear that it changes a lot. You know, in isolation or whatever. And so I can imagine, like it would change Daryl and I can imagine that like if Dwight ever had to come back that's what he'd have to deal with give him a dog food sandwich Sharon he says yep that would be fair, <laughs> would be fair. Uh, for all time's sake <laughs> Make Dwight eat a dog food sandwich. That just seems fair. We're even now. Yeah. Here, eat this. Eat this. We'll call here, it that. Here, here's, here's 14 dog food sandwiches. Eat two a day for the next week. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would do it to get to get Daryl on my side again. Seriously. I mean, he did it. So. Heartbeat. It, yep. It's better than all the other. The, it's better than all the, the, the whole grains and <laughs> fruits yeah. and vegetables. Like, I'll really? take a little, a little unprocessed meat. Yep. Is this it? <laughs> or, or heavily processed 
this meat. Give me, give it, give me it all. I'll take it all. Yeah, Deserve it. yeah. I'll put on a grill, a flat top grill, and make dog food burgers. <laughs> no problem. If I gave Eric Easy. some dog food, he could make it taste good. <laughs> I, I've seen, and I'm like, can you divorce uh, yeah, Rachel I, and I marry me? I heard you that you proposed to my husband. <laughs> I just said, marry me. I, all I said was, marry me. <laughs> Give me what you've got with Rachel. Because right? I want your food right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sharing you with you. Joke. Yeah. Sharing you with the, with the dad joke. Uh, what do vegetarian zombies eat? Grains. <laughs> Ancient that's grains. That's awesome. <laughs> I also want to get this one out of the way because um, Sharon had also said the two con men are a Huck Finn reference. Huck and Jim yeah. pick up two con men who do progressively more awful cons until they eventually have enough. To, until they eventually have enough and they ditch them, which is interesting because you'd think that this episode is technically over and they're on their side and blah blah blah. But I feel like we're not done with them just yet. The the Percy and Tony, no, we're no. Mm-mm. Yeah, I feel like they're they're still maybe more in store i hate saying that about tony because okay first of all as soon as he introduced himself as an illusionist mm-hmm. i i immediately immediately fell in love with tony i i do not oh I, I do not want him to be a bad guy i don't i don't know if you know this my so my we dad, talked about it my my dad when he was alive was a magician that was his profession so when i saw tony on screen doing tricks tricks that i know how to do (laughs) i felt an immediate connection to tony and i i don't know what is in store for him and but yeah i have i this is what i'm this is what i'm doing for you i'm I'm gonna do this for you and be like i know i know i'm not my hopes are not high but man because because of the world we're in i mean your dad might have done the same (laughs) honestly i mean knowing but your dad didn't have a vegas residency though he did not (laughs) he didn't have the he didn't have the chance but he would have i'm i i'm telling you if my dad was alive in the age of you know america's got talent and all of these tv competition shows oh you you'd see my you would know who my dad was everyone would know Mm. who my dad was (laughs) Mm. everyone in michigan knows who my dad is (laughs) really okay yes. cool yeah oh <laughs> it's cool that you bring that up because this episode does obviously deal with two illusionists and confidence men mm-hmm. of well i guess the illusionists become, have to become confidence men and it deals with mentalism it has to deal with a, a lot of these things but people uh, have to you know these people have to actually push you into believing one thing sleight of hand which i've been spelling wrong the whole time sleight of hand is spelled s-l-e-i-g-h-t instead of mm-hmm. instead of s-l-i-g-h-t right i have to remember that for next time which you can't blame me, I, I suppose, right? But it's the whole idea of making the audience, let's say, or your mark believe one thing, even if that thing. And, and again, this is not a matter of dumb people versus you know, oh, they only fool dumb people. No, the whole idea is that like it, it almost seems as though the smarter you are, the the deeper in, into the con you get, because here you are trying to figure out how it's done while they're well, the trick is being done off screen over here, and all of a sudden a coffee cup appears, you know, so. Right. <laughs> So it's almost worse for people who think they're smart. This is something that I wanted to bring up because smart people of, try harder. Yeah, they try harder to figure it out. They to try look to in the harder. one because they're because in a way they, they deal in a world of honesty and truth. You know, they believe in, in what they see and what when they're told to look right here, they look right here and they go, yeah. all right, what's there? What am I looking at? What am I focusing at? And they they're not paying attention to this. This is where right. the magic happens. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right behind you, the sleight of hand. <laughs> And, and we'll, we'll get into this more, but I wanted to actually 
actually say something out loud. And that's one of one of the dearest mentalists and illusionists that I, I admired so much because he spoke about the ills of mediums are really just mentalists who are trying to far, you know, fish the crowd to find out certain facts about them based on body movements, based on different tells that they have that they can lock onto and then guess certain things, you know, with a certain level of probability. And then if barring that, they try to push a willing participant into thinking that they've figured out the answer, like saying, calling a person's name and then saying, it's like, a, it sounds like Mike. It sounds like Mike, Mark. Maybe it's a Mark. No, no, it's Matthew. It's like, yes, Matthew, that's it. Yes, I was thinking that exactly, right? This is like the sleight of hand going on. I got to tell you something incredibly hilarious right now. You know what my yeah. dad's name was? What Matthew? my dad's name was? Mark. Mark. I, did I guess on the first one? You said Mark. The, Mark was I, the second name you said. Yeah. So he's telling me... Uh, <laughs> He loves you. But that's a perfect example of, of what happens, right? I but mean, but you should divorce yeah. Eric so that Dave can, <laughs> can marry, marry him. him. <laughs> Did he that's, not like him that? That's what much? I'm hearing. I'm getting. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> and also bring Eric on the line. He has something to say to him. <laughs> I hope you guys are very happy. I love Rachel a lot, but I hope you guys are very happy together because Rachel has another person in store. Okay. Anyway, who cares? <laughs> like, Ra Rachel's in love with Dave's wife. What? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, uh, I wanted to go back to that because one of the one of my most admired men, uh, conjurers, uh, the amazing Randy, passed away recently, Aww. and I I was just in love with that man because he spoke about the ills, the the rampant ills of mediums and uh, and uh, dowsers. People who use dowsers to find water. All this hokery, like um, homeopathic healing, and and all this stuff because it's all a con. It is all a long con to get money from your pockets without regard to people's psychology, without regards to people's finances, with regards to people's mental health and physical health, people dying from these fake cures or fake remedies. He was very outspoken to people who wouldn't listen. I, I felt near the end of it because the fact that most people I'm talking to right now, hopefully, and listening to me right now, I feel like the amazing Randy because I feel like we talk a lot, but nobody listens. But <laughs> those who are listening right now, if you don't know who the, the amazing Randy is, um, look him up and watch any one of his videos. He's a charming um, man who speaks. He's a, just a very, very potent speaker, excellent speak, uh, speaker. And, and he makes so much sense. And when you actually start to listen to him, you start to realize how one of the biggest things in his in his talks is, is saying how like you, you and you and you and you, the scientist, the rocket scientist, the, the doctor, the pharmacist, the psychologist, the evolutionary biologist, you all will fall prey to this because you don't know what a conjurer knows about these things things. He, we've studied the conjuring arts for so long. We know the tricks. We know where to look for the con. Um, he actually had the million dollar challenge, which was to test people with these claims uh, of these extraordinary claims against a certain battery of tests so that they can actually prove them wrong. He's even made fake tests to actual scientists in the name of this experiment. He's actually uh, said, we can bend any spoon. We can do this. We can do that. You know, we can foil any test. And they've, they've done it because of all these different hoops they've had to go through to make sure that their conditions are met in the in the in the test mm -hmm. in spite of all the tests that they said to all the conditions that they were trying to make so this is the thing like just to prove the point that we can fool the, the smartest of scientists and which is to say that we can help you we can help you figure out what you know like the fda we can help you figure out to actually ban these products because these are only harming people i just wanted to say that out loud because as we as we see in this episode we see many different tricks being employed by percy to try to get these people to do to steer 
these people in a particular direction that he wants them to go ultimately. Mm -hmm. But the, the, why I mention the amazing Randy is, is that something that Percy said is that we do this so that nobody gets hurt, but maybe he hasn't realized how hurt they, these people were, mm -hmm. you know, he, they're so used to doing the con like most men mediums do or quote unquote mediums. They do all these things to kind of make people feel better. Um, let's just say ultimately, but then they leave them more empty later on because at the end of the day, they haven't really been communing with their, with their loved ones. They haven't really been doing this. They, they're just pouring money into this emptiness that will never get filled, you know, and worst case scenario, they're pouring money into remedies that don't cure them or don't, don't relieve them of their symptoms, that sort of thing. And so in the same way, Percy and Tony, they end up leaving these people and, and they might've caused their death, you know, with all the, the has-beens, oh, mm. perfect name for right? the, for, the for, for walkers, has-beens, once were, has-beens, oh, I love show to speak. All the, all the different names for the, for the walkers. I love it. But what I, it's like, that's one I didn't see coming. Yeah. Has you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, cause what they, they call like old illusionists that can't seem to drum up a crowd has been, you know, and, and it just, it, it, it's just so the <laughs> fact that it's so particular and so specific to them. Yeah. Like we're not them. Maybe we were <laughs> once were, but we're not has -beens. And like, then the idea of the walking dead is people. It's like, Oh, are we the has -beens? <laughs> I mean, we were a civilization, so we're just a bunch of has-beens right now. So th there's a lot of play on words going on here, which I, I, I kind of like. We we start in this episode where we left off in the last episode with seeing Percy in the woods coming out with his little fake toy rifle slash tree branch saying, I, 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 don't make me shoot you. Don't make me shoot you with my tree branch, which it kind of looked like. But then um, when Felix comes up behind him with his with his gruff voice and he goes Elton Silas check the perimeter see if there's see if he's got friends Iris search him <laughs> just I just love the continuation the voice of that that fake ass yeah. gruffy voice well he's got it now there's a there's a potential enemy in their midst right yeah or serious this is a serious moment I have to be very serious so what serious I, Felix what I didn't like about that moment and and okay we can attribute this to inexperience right he said their name I was upset that Felix called everyone by name. He should have said, uh, boys, check the perimeter. Right. As a person, as a daughter of a, an illusionist. <laughs> or, that or, was... or a cop. <laughs> One, yeah, oh, and or. Cop, and my, my real dad was a magician. So yeah, you don't, don't, don't give people more information than they need. Information is power. So don't give it to them. Right, exactly. And so, especially to a mentalist, who is trying to figure out the lay of the land, who to push into which direction. Sharon D is pointing, is proving my point right now. Laura, Naomi, June. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If, if I make him think I'm this person, then yep. I can be this person, which is something that, which is interesting because she brings this up. Like I was this person and I, I've been this person for so long. So who am I when I'm now that I'm June again? Mm -hmm. You know, who, who am I now that I'm back to being, so, I'm supposed to be back to being me. Does, does he really know me? Right. Yeah. 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 She she's been well, she's been three different somebody's to our knowledge. <laughs> Not sixteen different somebody, Sharon D. The whole idea of like now you're giving this mentalist, you know, more information, who to push and who to push onto whom too. Mm -hmm. As we find out like in some ways, like seeing Hope be the cynical one makes it possible for him to push her. The thing that I like is is when he talks about the bison thing. He's building up this narrative. He's a really good storyteller, by the way. Right. Oddly enough. I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, like when he was telling the bison story, the whole sto- as the whole story goes, he's building up this idea that, oh, there's a herd coming, it's Wyoming in winter, two feet of snow, unlikely. But anyway, <laughs> if, you ever, if you've ever been to Wyoming, but I guess maybe it was winter and it was higher up on the plateaus, ah, who knows. But it was, it was on an overpass, also weird. And it's like a herd is coming, I could feel them rumbling beneath my feet, I couldn't see them. And I was just waiting, I was just, I, just, I couldn't get in, into any of the cars because they were frozen or rusted shut. So I got on top of a car and waited for the end. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. 200 bison on the overpass of the I-90. And then like, and everybody's falling into it. Like Elton's like, oh, 200 bison. That's fascinating. So now he's picked out the scientist person, the person who's in- interested in being more curious, right? He goes over the manuscript and immediately starts writing too. Elton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Oh. And then, so we got that. But then like, but then like, so he's got, he's got that factor down and everybody's, you know, into this. They're into, it doesn't even matter that he may be lying, but the story is so fantastic that people are into the story. People automatically trust stories because of their stories, right? Mm-hmm. So now that you've got them roped in, tell them some, tell them something that one of them, and I know whom, because he knows already who's going to be the one that's going to check him. Yep. Tell them something that's a little bit cool, and some, these people here will, will get distracted. So there might, so I may be placing these people, these two people, in conflict with my story, telling them, oh, I was in Florida two weeks later, and you know, and I saw this ferris wheel with you know no not not that it was destroyed but always oh, being held by pelican nests you know, it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen hope is the first one to chime up and go hey that's not possible it, it took you two weeks to get the florida <laughs> like it sounds more like huck <laughs> oh, well they are mother and daughter right that's true that's true yeah uh, i like that hope so, is the one that called him out too like um yeah pal that uh-uh that doesn't track try again <laughs> but he he knows that she's gonna be the one to to speak up too. Do you, you think so? S- I I almost feel like he's told this story so many times and no one's called him on it yet that he he thinks he's going to get away with it again. Well, it was required that that somebody speak up. He needs otherwise he would have kept going and dumbing down dumbing down the things until it was obvious that he's lying about one of these things <laughs> because he needs one of the people to be highly critical of him so that he can f- that so that she can fake call him out. She can call him out on it. Okay, and then he he can bring up a another story about like that's impossible you must have had a car right that's what i was was getting to and so he's like that's that's the thing right that's the thing that you can't replace right right and like he'll be like you got it out of me (laughs) right this is what i'm trying to say yeah let me let me give you like a story then i'll drop then i'll pretend to drop the lie just so you can ask me about the truth Mm -hmm. and then i can give you the truth but misdirect because he gives them the truth technically he says we found a truck you know mike tony and i uh had, had skidded off the road that was filled with like fuel mm-hmm. as like a refueling truck and the guy that was in there once was but now is now has has been you know right before you know we got we took the keys off him and everything like that you know and we decided to take it with us well i guess they they robbed me and then they left me behind that sort of thing they're in andersonville blah 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 so he tells him like some of the truth to kind of really reinforce the story but then you know it continues on with the con of, of saying that these guys left me behind mm-hmm. it's always good to also mention like a fake person so that you can misdirect for the real person tony mike is just the the walker in the bathtub (laughs) 
<laughs> so do you see how that kind of all went yes. down? This is yeah. everything that he wanted them to believe. Like, yep. hey, look here, then I'm going to make you look here and pretend that you caught me. Mm -hmm. You didn't catch me because I wanted you to find me here so that you can go here. That's the best way to con somebody is to make them believe you've been caught. That's always part of a grift is the fake. That's the fake out. That was that was one of um, the amazing Randy's best tricks too, is to make you believe that you actually found him out. But then he'll yep. come up from behind being like, but yeah, but did you did you notice this? Ah, it's a card with demons on it. I don't whatever. Conjure See, stuff. You do you do this to me all the time during our shows. You'll say <laughs> stuff and then and then I'll say something and you'll go, ha ha. See, I made you say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because do you remember when I, when I actually when I actually did? I went like this, and then I yeah, it was like a fishing pole, and then I reeled yeah. you in. You know, I you, know to just... you know just how to drop those those sinkers for me, and I and I bite every time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a salmon out of water. <laughs> but yeah, it's all to say that we we're all, and, and I like to reinforce this idea is that like, listen, we're all the same. We all have seen the same episode. We we all just we just, just so we got different things out of it. But mm -hmm. if I can lead you down a garden path towards a specific direction that I want you to go, maybe I can get you to see my point of view at least. doesn't mean that like everybody has to think the way I do, but I just, I try to look at things as they were intended to be seen, right? Yeah. And then I kind of tilt, is it like tilted tripod? Yeah. Uh, the Sarah. yeah. I try to tilt the tripod just a little bit this way so I can see it a different way. And then I'll, then I'll just leave the scene and then look up what I saw on Wikipedia <laughs> and try to come back to the scene with that info and be like, Oh, that's interesting. I would change just one one thing about that. I don't think that you you don't just tilt the tripod. You flip it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> what would this look like upside down? Yeah, what? pretty pretty what? much. I mean, you you you're you're like a surgeon dissecting these episodes and pulling the heart out and pulling out the spleen and then connecting the intestines to this part of the stomach wall. And it, seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you'll take what we see and flip it completely upside down because I feel like I watch shows very much on on the surface like I see and pay attention to what's right in front of me I You're try, the best mark well and <laughs> I <laughs> I try to pick up on like um consistencies or inconsistencies facts you know what I mean like I try to say like okay this person said this during that part and they were talking to this person but I don't always sometimes I'll go into more like well what does that mean but that's you like that's you all over like yes here's the scene here's how we saw it but what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> you want to talk about meaning, let's go to these people's names. Because what's interesting about, so Sharon, you brought this up last week, which is Percival, Percy, Percival means pierces the valley. Now, I was looking at that and being like, no, and genuinely, I'm, I'm not. I don't consider myself a smart person, but I have the ability to reason. So when I when I see Pierce's the Valley, I don't automatically assume I know what that means. <laughs> so I'm like, dummy, what does Pierce's the Valley mean? Because what does that mean? Like, oh, what he goes, boop, no. So like, I wanted to know exactly what that meant. Yeah. So it, so it is it is French slash Norman. What that really means is that uh, these people in particular, one that Pierce's the Valley, the Valley is is a very narrow approach to a fortified area, you know, which which is a very good place to be when it comes to defending yourself, because you're not in an open area, 
you know, with four walls, you're in a valley with like, you know, kind of like the way the, the dam was with Morgan's dam, his safe place. Okay. Isaac and Rachel's place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like this narrow area with a high, high, high uh, natural border that allow that makes it so people can only attack from one direction. Right? Sure. So, okay. So a Percival, one that pierces the valley means he breaches these defenses. He's so, he's such an expert that he breaches oh, defenses. Perfect. So this is the, yeah. this is the meaning of Percy. He will find a way to breach your defenses. Yeah. Like, perfect. I really, really like that. The only thing that I could find on Delmado though was something in numerology, which, uh, which counted up to teacher or confidence. Hmm. What is Tony by the, by the end of his, but, you know, what is, what is present day Tony, but a confidence man, yeah. a con man. So I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, Sharon D is pulling out some other facts. Okay, so she's saying the closest a Andersonville to the Mississippi is in Indiana. Isabel is from Indiana. So they made it from Nebraska to Indiana? I don't think so just yet, though, right? Well, I mean, if they're in Andersonville, right? I guess. Yeah, maybe. It seems like Mississippi, Missouri. I mean, I guess it's, it's possible, I suppose. Yeah, they crossed the Mississippi. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm pulling up yeah, there the map is that, right like, now. Yeah. No, no, it is definitely <laughs> possible. Because I remember going, to, down, going down to St. Louis. Uh, my buddy Tony's from uh, Fairview Heights, so it's right near St. Louis, and uh, it's not a very long drive. So I guess. So um, okay, if they were in Nebraska, they had to have gone through either Iowa or Missouri, then Illinois, then Indiana. Right, exactly, exactly. And and uh, Sharon D actually mentions that you know they crossed the Mississippi, and Iris said they've been on the road for a month. So that really? still makes sense. Oh, I missed yeah. that. I missed that time time reference. I I missed it too. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, after a month, absolutely. They could cover that amount of ground in a month, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Being very careful along the way, sure. Not like Morgan, for just sure. running, running across several states. <laughs> Making just it, running. Make, making it to Austin in a week. <laughs> um, oh, she was talking to Percy at the time. Okay, okay. They're pretty much more than halfway to New York. Or Well, okay, about halfway. They're halfway oh, to no. New York right now. No, I they, wouldn't even say that. No, they are. You? I just looked at the map. Yeah. Oh. They're halfway to New York. Because oh, yeah, with... here's Nebraska, mm -hmm. Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. That's that's the only... They've I, traveled I that three route. states. They have three I remember that route very often, by the way. I used to drive back and forth from New York City to Chicago a lot. I used to, because I went Ooh. to school there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you would know. Yeah, what is it's, that it's, time? Uh, it's 1,200 miles, and it can take up to, like, 14 hours because of rest. But um, I was going to say, to drive A straight from shot here, is 11 and a half hours. Oh, like not stopping? Not stopping at all. Not even for gas. Okay. From from where I'm at to New York is a 14-hour drive. But there I have go. to go oh, from Michigan well, all the way to the bottom, then over. So Yeah, exactly. I have, like, an extra half a state there. <laughs> yeah, you have to get down to I-80. Ohio then, first. Yeah. Yeah. And cut across. Right. Uh, I, I could probably get to, to where you are shorter time, by the way. I mean, the way I drive, it would probably take about two hours. <laughs> Although, listen, after a while, I, I, I over the years, I thought I got this shit down. You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I can do this on my head. Yeah. I remember like doing this more recently, uh, like last couple of years or something like that. And I remember like, oh, I'm getting older. I'm getting more tired on these roads. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like, it took me like 13 hours hours 14 hours i need a break <laughs> i need to take a break I need to actually stop not do anything perhaps snooze a bit and then move on so is this is if the, there's only one bit of 
advice I can ever give you because cars can go a lot longer these days, you know, in terms of mileage, right? When you stop for gas, stop for food. <laughs> Just take a fucking mental break. When you get back behind the wheel, you'll be, you'll feel a lot more mentally fresh and you'll pay attention more. You'll have energy in your system. That's the best advice I can give you How that works. Uh, for, for those who think they got this shit down. Okay. Don't be like, don't be like young Dave. Just <laughs> constantly burning gravel. You know, one of the things I actually really, really liked about what the, the final stroke to get them to come along is that he, he puts the finishing touch on the con, right? I say like Percy, Percy, like all mentalists is trying to get hits on what these people are like. And then he hits on something that everybody will get, you know, after trying with each person, right? The buffalo for Elton, the, in the pelican's nest, then catching his lie. You got hope playing against Iris. Iris was obviously the optimist because he sees that right away. Okay. And then he says one thing in particular and he goes, some things can't be replaced. Right. And everyone, cause everyone's lost someone. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't even matter that what he's talking about is the truck. Right. Right. Everyone's, everyone's lost someone. Mm -hmm. Some things can't be replaced and it hits all of them all at once. The dominoes are all fallen. Mm -hmm. Oh no. There's a new hashtag. Oh no. He's just put up. Wait, that's a joke though. Right. You're not, are you really pushing for Persiris? Persiris. Yes, he's really pussy for Persiris. Really? Okay. Oh, it's, no, you're not joking. Yeah. No, you're, that's what you're doing. Joking. She's joking. She conned us. Sharon did just conned us. Percy's adorable. <laughs> he's got the dimples. Blah, blah, blah. But he's you, you, he's not somebody you can trust, I don't think. I don't think he's going to be anybody that you can trust. I'm sorry. Right now, Percy is just outside of the strand box for me. Ooh. Just, I mean, he's on the outside, but, but when you meet somebody under these circumstances, you you can't though right you can you would be a fool to trust this person well, we given were, everything that we, just happened. Anyway. Given everything. Oh my God. She just did hashtag per strand. <laughs> per strand. <laughs> oh, he's a little young. Don't you think? <laughs> take, take it back. Take it back. I don't know. How old, how old do you think? Anyway, but, but, but I'm just saying <laughs> get, under the circumstances that we meet these people, I would not be quick to trust them. Would you? Well, see, that's the thing. It's you and me. That's the difference. One of the things that Iris, I think brings up, right? Yes. Iris brings up to Percy is that we lived in this bubble, you know, where yeah. in in relative safety, but, and she recognizes that like, okay, meeting you, you know, the idea of danger, like, cause I want to take you back to the beginning of the episode when Felix tells Elton and Silas to check the perimeter, they hesitate for a little bit. Mm -hmm. When, when he tells Iris to, to pat down Percy, so many names, um, <laughs> she hesitates a little bit. This is something I was talking about in the other episode, the last episode and the episode beforehand. It's like, they haven't had to deal with people and the possibility that people might be dangerous. Felix knows, you know, Felix definitely sort of knows doesn't know how much yeah because obviously he's giving him a little rope right i would agree with that mm -hmm. but um but they hesitate and i am glad they they did it indicates that they're acknowledging the fact that it's people and we don't we didn't know that people could be the thing right mm -hmm. and so going back to iris and percy's conversation because and also let's keep in mind that percy's seeing all of this he's seeing obviously these people have been in this community bubble or something like that why are they why are they acting like this way we're all shitty <laughs> all of us are shitty we're all shitty right. Obviously, that's why I'm conning you right now. You're shitty. <laughs> Ultimate, ultimately, people are the same. No, I, so I want to pick up on something that, that Percy says.
says, but like, let me go back to him and Iris. She says that we lived in a relative bubble. She's like, yeah, you, you can get killed out here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think like all of this goes to feed his illusion, his, his thing about people. Like, and of course people are ultimately the same, which is Percy's view. But at the end of the day, the thing that I want to tie into the illusionists and everything is that these people think that they're doing good. You know, they're, they're bringing people some comfort, blah, 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 et cetera. You know, some sort of excitement, some sort of story. And, but ultimately Percy chooses his Percy and Tony choose their marks carefully. They're not going to choose violent people. You know, these are people on the margins. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want to pick people that will accept the con and actually wholeheartedly accept the con. He chooses people that do kind of want to help. They don't want to choose people that are utterly against him from the beginning. People like Tony and Mike, you know, the, the people he's describing because yeah. he'll, he'll find out from the way he's telling the stories or, or who these people were immediately who he's dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. They should have left you, you punk ass bitch. And they'd be like, <laughs> and they'll find a way to peace out. Right. But yeah. if he, if he deals with people long enough and he talks to them long enough, he'll figure out exactly whether he's in the right situation. Because at the end of the day, he's choosing people that are, which may be most of the people he's come across. He's choosing people listening to their conversations at the campfire and figuring out if these are susceptible people. At the end of the day, what's odd about Percy and Tony's situation is that he's, that he's choosing people that are kind of good, but ultimately when pushed hard enough, it'll make them choose themselves over possibly getting killed. Meaning when okay. Percy goes up the stairs and he goes, no, 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 Mike, no. And then he, he pretends to, sh he's shot. Yeah. Right? Most people, when they have the opportunity, will flee because it's the apocalypse. It's your life. They will flee. Iris I, doesn't do that. I was telling her to run. <laughs> yeah. Take, take your shit and run. Yeah. Because, right? yep. but you realize that what, what, what Percy does to actually like complete, like twist that even further, twist that dial for her, for them to leave a little further is just before Iris and he are about to leave. What does he do? What does he see? They've got the keys. His they can stuff. go. His stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and what is what is the what is what does what's that little bit of a push left? He says, not only am I going to get my stuff, I'm going to take theirs too. Right. That's the dial. Because all this time he's feeding them something that just can't be replaced, hitting on mm -hmm. that that emotional note. But then yeah. what happens? He, he 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 wants Iris to think he's a shitbag just a little bit, right? Just just by a taking their bit. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so okay. that and so that so that when it all goes down, she'll feel like a little bit more entitled, you know? Because let's just take people at their word, you and me, and and realize that I think most people have good intentions, but if if you, if you turn into the person that they can be like, oh, this person isn't what I thought he was. He wasn't mm -hmm. well intentioned. Maybe just a little bit or just enough. That when this thing all goes down, she's more than happy to leave and fend for herself because that little nugget in the back of her head. But even still, Iris goes up the stairs. And that says a lot more about Iris than it does about Percy. And Percy Ugh. recognizes that. Yes, I know exactly. But it doesn't to, to me. It doesn't say anything good about Iris. Not at this right. point. Not at this point. Because right now she's just she's acting out of emotion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Not thought or, or rationality. I, I think, which is interesting because like you'd think even with dealing with Percy having lied to her face mm -hmm. about everything along the way that she would cut and run. And, you know, she does <laughs> feel that way by the end. She feels betrayed, you know, even though they came back to save her, she feels terribly betrayed. She feels decimated. Yeah. So what I, I wanted to ask you, because that I was, I was yelling at Iris the whole time. I knew right from the previews that I was going to be mad at Iris this, this episode. I just yeah. didn't anticipate how much I was going to be angry with her. But the moment that we, we think Percy is shot, right? No, 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 Mike, don't. And then boom, boom, boom. 
And right. she's like, oh, Percy, what the hell does she think she's going to do? What? With, with the Triceratops horn? What do you? Okay, first of all, if if this actually happened, if yeah. it really went down that way, Percy's yeah. dead. So now you're going to run back up the stairs with the Triceratops horn to fight somebody with a gun? <laughs> Moron. Yeah. It just was I mean, not smart. <laughs> Imagine how Felix would feel about that, especially oh, 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 after having mentioning, oh, oh. by the he way, kicked her ass, her, her walker ass. Yes, that's what she'd be. Yep. He'd have had to put her walker ass down because that's what would have happened. And it's kind of funny how you how you put that, because, you know, we're just coming off the, the heels of like Alaska, you know, and Fear the Walking Dead <laughs> about how, what, what. But again, but you know what, though, that's what makes this really, really interesting, because we also have to remember they're still teenagers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right? As upset as I get, I. I have to remind myself that this is the first time they've been outside these walls. They are One. teenagers. That's two. Yeah. These are two different things. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I get angry and then I go, they don't, they don't know any better. This is how they learn. This or, is how they learn. See, that's, that's because this is, that's from our perspective. Mm -hmm. We're like pushing 40 slash I'm over 40. Right. <laughs> And so this is the this is the thing that we have to realize when we were kids. Oh man, you know what? We're not even going to go there because what did you do when we were talking about John last week? When you were in John's shoes, uh, you were like, "Fuck you, Strand! I'm a I'm a get myself killed yeah. in the name of this thing, right?" Yeah, but yes. you still you, and I love that about you. Yeah, I really do love that about you. <laughs> like I'm almost in tears because I'm not like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I want that for myself, but at the same time, like we both, we both, you and me both kind of switch positions sometimes we when do. it comes to these things. And it's good that we so do it makes because it interesting. we because we need to give everybody the whole picture, right? Yeah. We can't all, it, sometimes I will have to, and I've said this lately a lot more out loud than I do normally at all ever, so, is that I sometimes have the unfortunate disposition of having to put myself in, a, in an opposing or of not an opposing necessarily like a different viewpoint because I have to defend that position, mm -hmm. you know, like, because it's only the two of us and they're not there to talk on their behalf. <laughs> right. So I have to be right. like, so one would say blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I don't believe that position, but it is a valid one. Like it is something that needs to be rooted out to be spoken about. Right. But so going back to this instance, it's like, I guess they're teenagers. <laughs> like, I guess that's part of it. The bubble effect of being mm -hmm. in safety and learning that part of the community's ethos again, which is very important to re-mention is that, you know, you're there and the whole thing that keeps it together is this mythos of the night the sky fell and, and the community coming together to build the future. How do we decide our fates? How do we form our fate? That whole thing with the yeah. karate thing. It didn't really strike me until just now, but, um, this group meeting Percy and Tony kind of reminds me of um, Rick meeting the Vatos for the first time, right? They put up this this macho exterior, this, you know, I'm going to kill you sort of persona about them. But once you get to know them, it's like, okay, they were doing all this to protect an old folks home. You know what I mean? They're putting up this this image of these tough guys, kind of like Percy and Tony are doing, right? They, they run these cons because that's how they survive. But really, you know, underneath it all, you know, they're, they're they people. They feel the same they're, way. They're 
people too. Yeah, they're people too in the apocalypse just getting by. This is just yeah. how they do it. Yeah, and I like how I like how like, you know, well actually Sharon you really hits on like, oh, you know, we have to remember that Charlie was just a kid, you know, just like Charlie. She was a kid, you know. What what did you expect? <sighs> yeah, thank God Charlie. Yeah, inexperienced. <laughs> and by the way, this is what's interesting, like why I keep mentioning the whole um teenagers or oh, why God. we have to remind ourselves about teenagers is that you know, there are things that they do in this episode that are really awkward. Like one of the things I noticed after uh, Hope was about to spill the beans about almost kill, you know, kill, killing Amelia mm. um, and, and pulls back. Uh, she goes, oh, we better keep watch, you know, Elton. <laughs> and then Elton kind of does this weird shuffle like, yeah, I'm keeping watch. You could see it like in that wide shot in, in front of Wilma's, Wilma's closet. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have, keep a watch. It's this little thing. I wouldn't have I'm, picked I'm up so on tough. this. I would, <laughs> right. I wouldn't have picked up on this if Eric didn't bring it up, but he actually saw, um, okay, so we see Hope showing interest in, in Elton and the manuscript and everything because of Amelia, right? She's trying right. to make up for her or tone or what, whatever it is she's doing. But from Elton's point of view, Eric thinks that Elton is going to think that Hope has the hats for him. <laughs> <laughs> like he will he will miss he will misinterpret this attention as a romantic interest instead of platonic <laughs> particularly in that scene yes i yeah. feel like i feel and like the... elton reacts different ways each time this subject is it's three times yes each time the subject is in the second time is like yeah i'm a macho elton i'm gonna look out i'm gonna look out for people yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopton. Hop, yeah. hopton yeah <laughs> hashtag hopton thanks sherry <laughs> that would be cute but um yeah. but yeah i wouldn't i didn't notice that eric eric brought that up and i thought oh man Poor, poor Elton. He's going to get his heart broken so God, hard. Poor, poor <laughs> both of them, man. What a crazy ass bitch. This is like the weird thing about like having to break this thing down is that technically, I mean, I, I say it in almost every episode, sleight of hand. Every episode is technically a con. Every episode is getting you to see things a certain way because we don't want you to see what's coming. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. and it's never been more evident than this episode where we are actually talking about people who are experts in sleight of hand. Yeah. Lisa said it's just perfect <laughs> um elton i'm not in love with you i just killed your mom sorry okay, so i'm so embarrassed for what you think i feel for you my dad <laughs> oh <laughs> terrible all right so going back to the whole situation with percy and iris actually going back up the stairs Ugh. it makes perfect it makes perfect sense given what we know about everything too as uh as it is iris right. is not uh iris is not pushing 40 and knowing fully yeah. well what this universe brings to be fair we've been in the apocalypse for 10 years now right we've we've been in it we've we watched it. <laughs> I was gonna say no, we, no, we haven't. What world do you you live in? Michigan. We live in in, in the Walking Dead universe. I know. Exactly, We've been dealing exactly. with this for ten years. They haven't. <laughs> Stop saying that. Stop saying that. I live. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and, and I and I have a job, don't I? Hey, what? The apocalypse already happened. They were just told to tell us to stay at home. <laughs> that's right. That's how. That's how it starts. Everybody stay oh home. God. The coronavirus is out there. Corona. The coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crown virus. I'm kidding. I know it's real. <laughs> <laughs> Charity's like, dude, totally I'm kidding. North Carolina. I've been in the, I've been dealing with the apocalypse. No, you've been dealing with the second coming, apparently, <laughs> in, in in religious country. The rapture. The rapture. Talking yes, about the, the rapture? rapture. That's yeah. exactly. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fancy ass Christian like you are. 
Are you kidding? The rapture sounds amazing. Everybody's just going to like disappear and fly up to heaven, except for me, because I'm going to stay here and fight. I'm, I'm a warrior, so I won't be taken in the rapture. I think the irony is that they'll take you anyway, and you'll be like, oh, you made a huge mistake. Like, no, I have to fight. <laughs> Send me back down there. I have to fight. The tractor beam, but the tractor beam is going to take you away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, the irony is that they would take the heathens away and probably leave the earth to the Christians, be like, oh, you'll make this a better place right that's right <laughs> not that again this is not a judgment it's just I, I it's just ironic you know like, be like <laughs> here you go here's all the good stuff you know now it's all yours <laughs> we'll just take care of these we'll give these people everything i'll never that's the, that would be the irony you take the heathens away give them everything they want and they still won't be that satisfied right <laughs> it's like in the matrix there's so many cool things that percy drops that I go oh he's trying to push iris into this whole you know hero narrative mm. like he's the hero because he says something like well, while they're walking across the bridge in the forest and whatever you know it's you guys can get yourself killed you know like living you know you bubble people mm -hmm. could get yourself killed and he's just like you know you know we're just trying to save our dad and blah 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 and he's like it's why we fight so hard to live in it and, and again he's like pushing on the sense of like you know ever since that you know that incident with the bison and everything you know, it's, you know i'm here for this <laughs> yeah. you know that sort of thing and he hits elton with that in a weird way like that's why i'm here for this mm -hmm. elton likes to live in the world and wants to see it through and all that stuff mm -hmm. I just love everything about this episode. I like I like the line that um the the conversation between Percy and Iris and she's and sh it was right about there and she's like he's telling her you know you're not going to survive out here and she's like well we crossed the Mississippi and I did this and that so I think I'm doing just in, in, fine. in a blazing inferno yeah, in a blaze of glory uh, I think I'm doing <laughs> I think I'm doing fine you know not with my little stick hiding in the woods and then he says to her he looks at her and he says we'll see <laughs> yeah. And even at that moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, we are going to see, aren't we, Percy? <laughs> Lion yeah, Percy. Exactly. Ugh. Lion sack of Ugh. Percy. <laughs> he made it so obvious not to trust him, and she still did. <laughs> But that's the weird thing is that like, like in, if you hadn't seen the teasers in some way, like, would you have maybe, because I think ultimately when we see people automatically like look for us watching The Walking Dead, we don't want to trust anybody, right. anybody. But on underneath all of that, there's a part of us that also wants to, and we eventually see this with everybody technically, even people we don't trust. Everybody is somebody we want to believe in, even though we don't initially trust them. This is something that mentalists hit on hard. They wanted they want you to dance they want you to actually believe that these that nobody can be trusted but then they'll build a narrative they'll tell some stories like a hero's journey that that person's been through to make you sympathize with them mm -hmm. and then before you before you know it all of a sudden you're trusting them this is something we said about dwight you remember <laughs> when you said i can't believe i'm feeling this way about dwight yep. can't believe i'm feeling this way about negan uh. it's almost as if the show is actually acknowledging the fact that oh we did this to you we made otherwise <laughs> smart people believe that these shitty people are kind of awesome like dante um like dante right <laughs> oh dante. you almost couldn't you almost had this like cognitive dissonance when you saw that he had turned into a turncoat yeah well i like that they, I mean? they flipped that whole thing on the comic on the comic people too i mean everybody yeah, who oh, read the comics especially. thought they knew they thought they knew they knew who dante was oh and, carol oh yep. carol oh uh, and then they were like ha ha psych <laughs> walking walking into the next episode was so rough is like yeah so dante yeah so dante <laughs> that was such oh. a weird and awkward episode but yeah they they are always flipping flipping shit on us i mean just when you think you got it figured out they're like ha, 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 
<laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. He's actually a bad guy or actually a good guy, depending on your outlook. Right. <laughs> but you know, you know, we've been talking a lot about mentalism and inside of hand and pushing people and, you know, you know, making your mark and all that stuff. But a lot of this is based on psychology. And like the two big experiments that I want to bring up are um, Stanley Mil Milgram's teachers versus learners experiment. But basically he got a whole bunch of uh, students to join this experiment where they had assumed they would be assigned learners and teachers roles. He wanted to see if, if negative reinforcement would actually encourage students mm -hmm. or sorry, the learners to actually answer correctly based on shock therapy, right? Okay. Or to be more compliant, whether, whether they were more compliant or less compliant to shock therapy. In truth, the people he was recruiting were all teachers and the mm -hmm. experiment was, was really actually on um, testing the teachers um, to see if they would actually, he wanted to see if people were good. He is, he had assumed his, his hypothesis were, were, was that more people were good, but he wanted to be uh, to basically push these people to a point where they would actually do things that they they didn't they didn't think they would do. The whole thing was to say how how was the Holocaust possible? I mean, how do you, how do you get people of generally good intentions to do things that horrible things that you never thought they would do on a different circumstance, right? And what he, what he had found out was that there was something to the idea of an authority figure pushing somebody of good conscience merely based on the fact that he was an authority figure, he being the instructor, um, telling the teacher to push the learner. All this to say, okay, so let me just explain this ex experiment in full. So the teachers were asked to administer increasingly severe electric shocks to the learner when questions were answered incorrectly. If at any point the innocent teacher hesitated to inflict shocks, the experimenter would pressure that would pressure him to proceed. So just merely being the authority figure, not even like under gunpoint or any other sort of dire circumstance circumstance or like some sort of hierarchy of like, you know, I'm your commander, you will do what I say. Not even that, just pressuring them, you know, you should be doing this, right? Mm -hmm. So the results from the experiment were some teachers refused to continue with the shocks early on, despite urging from the experimenter. So that did happen. Like it's about 40, I'm going to say 46% of the people, but not, it wasn't the norm. The norm was that 65% of the teachers were willing to, to progress to the maximum voltage level. Now, the people that were sitting in the chairs were all actors and they did receive some shock you know, increasingly shocked, but toler much, much tolerable and allow them to actually give them a performance mm -hmm. at which would influence the results in certain direction. So they gave them a sample group of different reactions, you know, and different types of, they were instructed on how to act in any given moment. And each actor had a different way of going about it to see how that would affect, affect the teacher. Mm. So nevertheless, the participants continued to obey, discharging the full shock to learners. So they got them to the point of doing something ultimately horrible. I remember one of the experiments, um, the actor actually, um, stopped responding, meaning, oh, they, they complained about their heart, something, their heart was hurting them. And then, you know, they gave them the final full electric shock and then they just stopped responding. And then they pretended like they had to shut the experiment down and take the teacher out and then whatever. This is so how this, this person seriously, thought they had killed someone. Yeah, exactly. Again, both the studies I'm going to mention right now, it, it just goes to show, first of all, the, the power of obedience, meaning mm. a person in authority having, uh, having the ability to push influence and yeah. How people are influenceable, <laughs> snuggleable, snuggleable. See, my word, my words are spreading. Able. Are, are able to be influenced um, just merely on that fact alone, uh, yeah. on on a level, right? Social psychologist Stanley Milgram researched the effect of authority on obedience. He concluded people obey either out of fear, which was his initial hypothesis, but he wanted to take a different route to see if this, the same conditions apply when it wasn't a fear.
fear-based influence mm -hmm. um, or out of desire to appear cooperative, even when acting against their own better judgment and desires. So people can be pushed. We know this now. You know, oh, yeah, it's, they it's, can. And it's kind of scary. Yep. You know, this is this is why when I do this show, I always do this from the position of somebody who tries to shift their perspective to see things a different way. Mm -hmm. And this is an attempt. I'm not always going to be able to see what a show is, a given show is trying to do behind the veil. You know, right. you, you can only go so far. There was a, there was an episode of, I believe it was Criminal Minds, where the, the episode was basically about what you just described. Um, they had done that, ex that exact experiment, what you're describing. And so the, um, the unsub <laughs> was in the teacher position, right? So they were the one administering the shocks and mm. What had ultimately happened was uh, they also believed that they killed the subject. They, they stopped uh -huh. responding. They were, you know, they went through all those motions. This person believed that they killed the subject. And so what happened was after this test experiment, this person went back out into the world believing they were a killer. And so they became one. Wow. This is kind of like what we said almost about hope, if you remember. Right? Yes. I just want to touch on that. They made me realize I was capable of this. And so now I've realized that's who I am. But that was a scripted show. There was another show show on Netflix called The Push or just Push. Yes. I think uh, you I think saw it, was, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by um yeah, I this I love this illusion. Darren Brown? I I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It was just just one episode and it was basically the power of influence to make someone murder another person and they did. Right. Well, the, the an one actor. Well, they killed an actor. Yes, they killed right, an yes. actor, but the person doing the murdering was the test subject. Yeah, they had exactly. no idea that it was fake. Yeah, they they had thought they had thought that they were justified in doing the killing. Enough right, people. Enough people oh, wait, no. told them that it was that it was okay. They believed there, it. Oh, they did a did, didn't they do the experiment on a bunch of people? And yes. Some some did not do it. Correct. And he, and and Correct. you know what the funny the funny thing was? What I think only one I think actually I think actually one person only did it. If well, I'm not mistaken. And, and he was sort of the focal point of the episode. The episode right, was right. basically about the person who actually pushed, and then mm -hmm. and then at the end they sort of filter in the other uh, you know what happened to the other to make us feel a little bit better about humanity right. because. Right. And that's the thing. I remember. I remember distinctly. This is Darren. This is Darren Brown, by the way. Okay. And, right. and what was really, really great about it, I, I've followed this guy forever, by the way. And um, what I really liked about it is when when they didn't do it, and Darren came up, and he almost felt like you know, like it almost looked like he was so relieved and, and almost like in tears that like I'm just so glad that this <laughs> this didn't work out. This that you didn't do what we wanted you to do. Right. Which and, is uh, actually really what we wanted that. you to do. <laughs> Yeah, because part of the experiment was to actually throw some weird imagery road, roadblocks also, like to kind of get get the subject to, to not do it, mm -hmm. but then push them. And again, they wanted to kind of flip them back and forth, mostly to do it. Yep. But then every now and again, put some subliminal messaging to get them to stop. Like, and I think that's what I really to. liked. Here's what right. we want you to do, but you don't have to. You don't right. have to. Yeah. And it, and it was just little things, too. Like it started off with just little teeny things, and then eventually it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and before you know it, you're in this situation. Situation and you're like, how, how the hell did I get here? You know what I right. mean? And 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 obviously, I don't think every situation leads to murder. Right. <laughs> but it's but, a good example of how little things can escalate and just get out of control before you even realize it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which also, which actually brings me to the next experiment that I wanted to bring up, which you, I think most of you already know. Um, my sister loves this um, social psychologist, uh, Philip Zimbardo. Now he ran the Stanford Prison Experiment, which was he took a bunch of students all of them were involved but each of them had a different role there was two roles one you could be the prison guard or the pr the prisoner um prisoners were literally arrested at their
their homes, like literally oh my took, gosh. Into, took into central booking where they were fingerprinted, put in holding, and then brought back to the university basement where they would run the experiment. Uh, they were stripped and deloused. They were issued prison garb. Uh, guards also wore special sunglasses to make eye, can eye contact with the prisoners impossible. This is like another hmm. site to, to, so that they looked like authority rather than a person, an individual, okay. right? Okay. So during the experiment in the summer of 1971, 24 young men were assigned to the role of either prisoner or guard and quickly adapted to their roles, maintaining an appearance of a 24-hour prison in the basement of a hall at Stanford's campus. The guards, who worked in eight-hour shifts, took advantage of their power. So again, 24 hours, eight-hour shifts, uh, took advantage of their power, ultimately. And prisoners rebelled within 36 hours of the start of the experiment. But each individual soon forgot that they were subjects in an experiment and not people in a prison. So it was this weird thing where, for as long as they were in the experiment, they really were in it. But as soon as it was over, it just stopped. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, they 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 de they went down this huge rabbit hole where the the prisoner the prison guards were abusing the the prisoners. The prisoners were revolting. Some were bargaining. Some were were ratting the other out. That that whole thing. How long did the experiment last? It only thirty six hours. It devolved so quickly. Now I want to say out front. That's like nothing. Yeah, I want to say out front though. This experiment has been heavily not well obviously criticized, but it's been in some ways debunked here and there based mm -hmm. on the conditions but regardless of and they made it into a movie by the way Re uh, huh. i think it was re semi-recently too which i would probably urge you to watch because i it'll show both sides of this like you know what were, what was this all for that whole thing you know like what why did what what did this prove so according to zimbardo and his colleagues the stanford prison experiment re revealed how people will readily conform to the social roles that they are expected to play, especially if the roles are as strongly stereotyped as those of the prison guards. Because the guards were placed in a position of authority, they began to act in ways they would not usually behave in their normal lives. Hmm. Which is what basically Percy was trying to push on Iris. He he gave her enough of a seat to say, oh, you are a shitbag, in a way. Just at the end. Be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't trust him. But then, in the, you know, when he's dead, you're dead. You can't do anything about it. Best I can do is save my own life. The authority to, to kind of to give her like almost instant agency to kind of take care of herself and run. Meanwhile, they have all their stuff and they can go away too. Most of the guards found it difficult to believe that they had behaved in the brutalizing ways that they had. Many of many said they hadn't known this side of, of them existed or they were capable, capable of such things. The prisoners too couldn't believe that they had responded in the submissive, cowering, dependent way that they had. Several claimed to be assertive types normally. So again, this is it just goes back to the teacher-learner experiment where the teacher was basically pushed and they'd done things that they wouldn't normally normally done, you know, when being pushed by authority, here they were given authority and mm. and behaved in ways that they were expected to, but it exceeded the expectation. So it's it's weird Man. How, how we can influence people. Well, I I'm and, interested to know what kind of psychopaths start beating people after only 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They made them do push-ups, they, they, they would strip them down. Like the prisoners also started to get like a little ornery and revolting because of the abuse and it escalated. Like each was doing this and that and that and that. And it escalated, you know. The thing is that the big, the biggest criticism of the experiment was that you basically gave guns to toddlers, you know. You, yeah. Part of being in an authority position when you're like a guards person, a person in like a corrections, or part of the the thing about being a prisoner is build up. Mm -hmm. You know, the the idea of I did something wrong and I'm here to pay for it, or I was incorrectly incarcerated, or you know, insert thing here. These people didn't do anything wrong initially, so they don't have that coming into the experiment. Mm -hmm. But in addition to the uh, the guards guardsmen, well, they weren't trained in firearms necessarily. These are people who are Stanford University students, or at least people participating in a Stanford study. 
you know, they don't have the proper firearms training, the, the training to be a guard, the responsibility. They weren't given all of that stuff going into it. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't get, get all the training they would too. Um, and charity's just putting a, a neon sign on strand, <laughs> yeah. strand. Yeah, exactly. Um, the point of me all saying all this is that, you know, this is what is going on in this episode. You know, Percy is just getting his mark. He's kind of pushing his influence. He's putting these people into boxes so that he can get them to do certain things, you know, especially like Silas, like break, you know, he sees, I think in some way he does see the kind of attraction that Silas has for Iris um, and, you know, puts a little wedge in between, in between that so that he can fuck off with Felix, mm -hmm. but enough so that she would follow him in the back. Percy knows that, that he can get past where all the pitfalls are in Wilma's closet. Mm -hmm. This is, he, it's their domain. Right. He controls that chessboard. So he knows to go straight to the back. He knows that Iris is going to be there too. Do you, I was going to ask about that. I mean, you're, you, Percy's putting money on Iris, basically stranding Silas alone and going to do this. I mean, that's, that's a, I feel like that's a big risk for Percy. Yeah. Oh, it's a big risk for Percy. And I, and I would even say like, how, how did you not know that, that maybe Felix would, would not have as much trouble with the Walker, even though he did. I like, I like the funhouse mirror effect when, in the clothing, right? Sorry, the change room. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that kind of cool? It was like, yeah. oh, why have we never seen that before? <laughs> Eric and I both were like, why does that thing look so we Oh, okay. <laughs> It's a and we kind of fell for it in a way too, didn't we? Just like he did. Yeah, I yeah. My first thought was, why does that look so weird? But I didn't think mirror. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like every step of the way. Like first of all, it felt like it took an awful long time for Felix to find his way to the back of this place. Yeah, <laughs> where the stairs were. I mean, but like I you said, Percy has had this control. place mapped out. You know. Yeah. But yeah, no, definitely he pushed Iris to a point where, like a moth to a flame. Percy knows that the only person that seems to be digging his vibe, even though everybody's kind of rejecting it, even Elton on a level like after after he planted that lie for hope to call him out on mm -hmm. elton even goes oh so no buffalo <laughs> like, <laughs> so like everybody is is in everybody's out except for iris iris keeps going and he's like yes that's the one that's the one who's going to be following me up those stairs there's the dummy yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's the optimist that's yeah. that's the one who's going to follow me up and, and see things through i, I said not feel there's the dummy yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> optimist um, dummy. What's the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> what's the difference? Dummy mannequin. The one that. Like, oh my god! Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to point that out. Sharon to your Nisa that called that Sharon out earlier too. Yeah, yeah. That mannequin. Oh, I jumped. I jumped. There were so many jump scares in this episode. <laughs> that was great. I love it. Oh, the, like the guy in the yeah. elevator. Which, by the way, I love doing this one thing. <laughs> Every now and again, I try to figure out how the walker died in a confined space. Oh, it made me. It made me sad. Like the walker died in the elevator, and that's how he went out. That's just depressing. Just like the locker. Remember the locker is it's the, my first thought. It was like, oh, did he die in there? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you thought he died in the locker, and I thought maybe somebody had came along and just pushed the walker off to the side. I didn't I didn't want to think that someone died in a locker. Some, some cruel Lord of the Flies high school shit. Put yeah. they put a nerd in the locker and he died there. Right. Yes, Sharon D, I laughed so hard the way the way Iris looks at the mannequin after she realizes it's not a <laughs> not a person and she's like <sighs> 
<laughs> and and then, and then you know finding Percy in the back, you know, yeah. and, and almost ending him in the same way. He's like, "You were about to fully kill me, weren't you?" Like, no hesitation. Oh, right. Like you're like you're a badass, further, aren't you? Further manipulation. <clears throat> exactly. Yep. Oh, yep. you're a shitty person too. Yep. <laughs> I promise I'm not. I'm here to save you. I I jumped out of my skin when when Felix Elton and Hope were at the front of the building and Percy just slaps his hand on the glass. I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> what was and you know that that was interesting because I, I it took me a little while to even like try to register what that why that was or what the deal is with that and that was totally intentional that he scared the shit out of him yeah well sure he could have just opened the door and been like hey come on no he scared him on purpose yeah uh, and it makes me think that like th i don't know all the mentalist tricks or anything i'm not even claiming <laughs> that i know even some but like i feel like there was something to that it simultaneously maybe got them to think here's oh, what it was I'm, I'm in trouble or oh i'm an asshole <laughs> no 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 here here's what it was i'm gonna scare the shit out of them and they're gonna be relieved when they see it's me mm, that's great yep see the mentalist daughter <laughs> and then and that's just gonna um further solidify their trust in him because right. they're relieved to see him <laughs> right and furthermore that he is alive yep. and yeah and ferrying them into this position where they can finally oh you're still there oh Okay, well, yep. now we can go to New York with you. Oh, everything's rosy. <laughs> good good yeah. call. I like that. I like that a lot. HB back soon. So Huck B back soon. Oh, that yeah. Elton writes on the raft. Uh -huh. I didn't get I didn't get it at first until I watched it again. It's like what HB. The... Oh, <laughs> H. HB back, back soon. soon. No, it's H. B back soon. <laughs> right, right. What's why didn't he write the E? It's Elton, man. Right. B, B, E. What does E mean? Okay. <laughs> See, Elton's, Elton's pulling a grift on me now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um elton john elton john obviously being uh elton's right name. they totally right oh my gosh i was yeah i was so excited in that moment to find out yep and the what does he bring up tiny dancer doesn't he right and he bring up Call tiny dancer right calling him a tiny dancer right yeah playing 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 the music during while well, she's cooking breakfast and yeah we find out he's named after elton john uh, you know and this is something we hit on in the last episode but in particular why it's so crazy that it's it's he mentioned this here because in just later Iris men mentions that, you know, we all lived in a bubble. When we go back and watch this episode again, when we see how Elton regards his mother, and something I said in the last episode is that he he regards her in a way that is, she describes these things as though she's fearless. And I feel like now that we're actually looking at this episode, so seeing how he regards his mother's work, I feel like he's putting that on her. Like, oh, she was so fearless when talking about these subjects that would normally be something that would be hard to be hard to talk about. She's dispassionate about it, but this is just the way it is. She, she just made me feel better. Like, he's trying to, like, reconcile obviously the things he knows in the daily life like putting the vinyls on and like sing singing and her voice sounding like a bronchial <laughs> infection but things like that but then cross reference referencing it with this with this work that's very dispassionate very matter-of-factly very floral in a way she's written a little florally to kind of ease the person into it it's like no it's okay people just this is just what happens but he turns that into something where maybe people will feel less afraid of this when they read this i don't think that's the case i don't think that's what's going to happen elton <laughs> But 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 it I think it means more to him than any than it would that would mean to anybody else. Meaning like he put he is projecting this image of who Amelia must have been like in the face of a dangerous situation to make him feel less afraid, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all know what happened at the end. She was so afraid she shot Iris's and Hope's mom, yeah. Which in turn got Hope to kill her, and yeah. so the cycle continues. But I I say that because we because Iris talked 
talks about the bubble to Percy later. And I was like, wait, but who, who is living in a bubble? Elton is living in a bubble too. This whole thing that he's doing with this manuscript is a bubble. Like he's maintaining this bubble of an idea of what his mom was. And it's like a time capsule also. Like it just, she's forever this way and building like also maybe even a mythology with that in mind. And he just wants to keep her there forever. And I feel like the moment Hope pops that bubble possibly and knowing maybe how afraid she was at the end. Mm. How does that, in a way, like we talk about tainting relationships, like how Virginia tainted uh, John and June's relationship. I feel like Hope telling him the truth is an unavoidable tainting of his relationship between he and his mother. At this point, it's like, do you, do you feel like Hope should tell him or is it better that he has hope that she's out there somewhere? This is like a Sophie's choice of a question right. almost. But right. There's no because, good choice. Know, do you let him live in this thing where it's possible that he could find her and her sister and his sister again? Like, it, this really does kind of go back to our conversation about mediums and, and making people believe in certain things. Yeah. Like, you know, if we keep them believing in the illusion, um, is that the healthiest thing? And most would argue, no, it is not healthy. It'll mm. cause them to do things, say things, believe things that aren't true and which could end, you know, cause harmful circumstances, you know? Yeah. So ultimately, does that mean that he, she ought to tell him? No, maybe not. That's the thing. That's the other thing. Right. You know, both of these choices aren't very good. Well, and Sh Sharon is making a good point. And I, and I, I believe, I do believe that. So Sharon is saying, I, I don't think she should. What does it hurt to let him believe? The only person that confession will make feel better is hope. And I totally agree with that. Now to, on the flip side, if I were hope, I would be fine letting Elton have that hope that his mom is out there, that Esmeralda is out there someplace. But here's the thing. If, if hope is going to let Elton believe this, she needs to ditch that marble because he's going <laughs> to, he's going to see it. He's going to recognize it. He's going to ask her about it. That's what's going to happen. He's well, going to see um, it. <laughs> yeah. What I'm worried about more, and I'm not worried about even about him seeing the marble. <laughs> Diamond doesn't sort this is stuff that we know, but he doesn't know. This is things that you see out in the world. It's possible that it's any old bead, whatever. He doesn't know the difference. He's not going to know instantly that that's his mom's bead. Let's be real here, like realistic, you know? He's going to see it all of a sudden and, and see, where did you get that? Like, no, this is, no, you know what he, I mean? But he might say, um, you know, <clears throat> oh, my, that's mom a cool had, dude. my mom had one just like it. Or like that, that or yeah, maybe. Like, that's kind of funny, yeah. I mean, one of his last memories, know. one of the last memories he has of his mom is discussing that bracelet. Yeah, that's true I, too. I do think that that memory will be in his mind. I don't think he'll necessarily go, you know, accuse Hope. Well, where did you get that? That's my mom. I don't. I don't think so. But I do think he'll recognize it, and I think he'll say, "Oh, my that's mom funny. had my mom had right. one just like that." Yeah. But moving past that, the, the thing that I'm worried about, something that you guys may may not believe, first of all, or but may not operate on, is that if he operates in the world with this assumption or this fantasy even he says himself it's not likely but mm -hmm. it could be that you know when you come across a community he'll be like did you have you do you recognize this woman in this picture you know mm -hmm. she may have a child with her and they'll be like oh she kind of looks like somebody in the community and they'll operate on those principles even though it's impossible now yeah. how far hope lets him operate on those principles could be very harmful for him he may <sighs> end up doing things he wouldn't normally do again it's going back to the experiments he may yeah. end up doing things he wouldn't normally do in the name 
game of thinking that these people were alive. This is why I say it does harm people. It does. It does. It'll make you do things you wouldn't normally do. I'm being like such an activist. But like, I, I, I'm not saying, but under normal circumstances, there'd be no people. There'd be no you're, more people. You're right. Do you know though. what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You think it's good to have hope, but, but as soon as you start behaving, well, as soon as you, you start behaving in a way, well, I mean, to have hope is good, but false hope, not so much, right? right? I mean, because like you said, you start behaving in a way that you normally wouldn't if you didn't have this false hope. Right. If you came to reconciliation to find yeah. out, you know, to, to saying goodbye here and there, right? Yeah. That's one thing. It's healthy. People yep. need to do that. But, uh, but so this is just one scenario I'm thinking of off the, off the top of my head. There could be so many others where like he thinks he sees his mom in the distance and runs <sighs> after her, but it's really a siren from mythology. I'm, I'm just saying, uh, it, it, like, again, he'll be seeing her face everywhere, maybe imagining what his sister's face would be like. And then, you know, who knows with some people, but I, I guess all I'm saying is that, okay, what's the alternative, right? And the only thing I could say is that to try not to be Martha. <laughs> what I mean by that is the big takeaway that we we found out by the end of season four was her whole thing was that she didn't look past the surface of what people could be mm -hmm. or what people really are meaning they could be more horrible true but i think most people have good intentions most people are self-preservationists doesn't mean that they all have to help but it means that inside them is the person that is willing in good circumstances to be well-intentioned and so what i mean by all this is that we have to give elton maybe a little bit of credit and that's we keep imagining the worst and it could be that all along Elton could surprise us. We don't know. Elton could understand immediately. It could be that hope lives out. See, and this is the opposite, the reflexive um, mode, which is if hope keeps living in this place where she's trying to grasp the value of, of a life that she had taken, the opposite is also true. The, 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 you have two people on the other ends of the mirrors, one that believes that she's alive, that his mom's alive and the dog and his sister somewhere out there thriving, 10 year old sister. And the other side of the mirror is someone who is trying to believe on a level of hope that there could be an uptick of like, I can do good. Maybe the blowback won't be so bad when eventually he finds out, like I could try my best to be this thing. And so, yeah. Yeah, but in the meantime, it, this could also produce hope the person until she finally tells him something, this her behavior can produce negative outcomes as well. Cause for as long as she doesn't tell him, she has to con him. That's true too. Yep. So it, it will go down a rabbit hole. Will she, will she keep having to cover up things or trying to pretend things are okay when they're not? And she's going to operate on being not okay. And maybe doing things she wouldn't normally do for Elton to make up for these things. Elton doesn't know anything. Elton right. thinks he's, she's attracted to him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, and she was technically without before even looking at the picture. And then if they get together, let's say, they'd be like, you only liked me because you killed my mom and you wanted, you felt sorry for me and blah blah right. blah it's like no i liked you beforehand look i i didn't see the picture until you know that moment in the campfire blah 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 anyway yeah. you get what i'm saying yeah. yeah i still hope that uh i want hope to talk to iris about all of this before she before elton knows anything i just i don't yeah, know you keep hitting that but you know what's so funny about iris knowing Iris. see and this is the, the thing where i tilt the tripod just a little bit and flip right? it i don't care flip it over flip it over <laughs> flip it over hit smack it in the ass That's and right. then like so hope having told iris all of this could be the very her very undoing also because iris could come in from the rear and go hey you didn't know hope killed your mom oh shit. <laughs> well technically iris she wouldn't i'm know. just saying that would be funny but right. not funny but but Iris doesn't even know who the pregnant woman was. Right. That's true too. Yeah, I guess. 
She knows yeah. there was she knows there was a pregnant woman, but she doesn't know that there was a connection to Elton yet. But, but what if Iris puts together, you know, puts the pieces together somehow? Like this describing his mom all the time, and I don't know how, but like, well, what's what's the only description Iris? knows about amelia she was pregnant right right now yeah i don't know yes that yeah that's true what are, how many other pregnant women were there the night the sky fell at least one other one <laughs> probably oodles of doodles yeah exactly so to shoot one pregnant woman doesn't necessarily mean it's this pregnant woman right oh but like no but we could elton could probably drop things that end up like making her like believe locations, like where yeah. she might have been well that between Tell. Yeah, between between uh, Hope and Iris, Iris could put the pieces together, and then all and on the side, like in a roundabout way, could say something about Hope huh. in a dire. Because okay, oh, let's bring it back to some sort of sneak peek, right? Hope is in a dire position in the next episode. She's held by gun at, at gunpoint by an assailant mm -hmm. while they go into this CRM refueling station facility, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, and it could be that Hope is placed in a position where she feels like she has to tell whomever doesn't matter who about this dark secret. So. It may end up being that both Iris and somebody else know about the secret or Elton is fa finds out the secret because he's there doesn't want to die not not telling him there could be a lot of things going on here yep. all of this to say by the way I kind of want to also flip the table now because when we do get to the episode and we do see this thing at the end it is kind of a relief both to the audience who is also in some ways you know feeling what the kids are feeling like about how humanity can be sometimes horrible like con men stealing things from other erstwhile good people maybe good people who are just interested in preserving their lives Lives, right leaving a scene where somebody just killed somebody you know <laughs> coming down the stairs and realizing that fake dead tony fake has been tony uh stole all, all their stuff and is running away with the truck <laughs> Um, but then you get to the end and these kids are distraught, blah, blah, blah. And they watch this thing that makes both the audience feel what the kids feel and what even Tony and Percy feel about the world. And your heart's warmed up. And it, it just occurred to me when the credits rolled, you know, obviously we get the stinger when I have to talk about that. But oh, yeah. But then when this all happens and when this is all said and done, I started to think about the people who slammed the show and the people who really want to see what they want to see, right? You're talking about people who are begging to see one thing, but then end up with this other thing, this story that people may or may not be interested in. And I keep thinking to myself, like, it is called The Walking Dead World Beyond, right? Let's not get, get it twisted. Mm -hmm. But it's its own show. It's trying to tell its own story. And I know you called that somebody's going to get injured and hurt. And they were, in a sense, injured, you know, and hurt emotionally. Mm. You know, their perceptions were injured. Like, mm -hmm. who, like they ought not to trust people. And, and, and I would even argue the worst, one of the worst ways possible, without giving them this weird, immeasurable trauma, like that we usually get from The Walking did world beyond but in a way their experience with tony and and percy was like the the best of all outcomes because they got yeah. the education without all the punishment yeah and they and they can be around for however long it's going to be to kind of teach them even more without having to you know get an education you know like on the street of hard knocks but i, I wanted to go back to this point which was like i feel sorry for people who watch this show thinking oh we're gonna get these connections to rick the crm even fear the walking dead and i feel sorry for them because they're missing out on essentially what the show has been trying to tell people there is beauty out here and there is a beautiful story to be told here and i feel like the people who just shit on it like even like the, was it the tiger no the wrong end of the telescope that everybody slammed like interweaved into that story was this story of sabina james what i who iris was projecting the person she could
could have been if she hadn't been thinking about the future so much or, you know, focusing on the future too much. You could allow yourself to get lost in some of these stories, just like Iris was on Sabina Jane's. And if you don't, you're just going to reject it. It's kind of like the illusionist. The illusionist wants you to be susceptible or highly skeptical so that either way you're involved, but they don't want somebody that's not going to even bother participating or even enjoying the show. And so it's kind of like, if you're not watching this to see a story, if you're not watching this to get some beauty out of it, and you're just trying to do this to see connections, really don't watch. Just watch the stingers and yeah. watch the little clips where they mention this thing. Just don't bother watching because you're ruining it for all of us who are really enjoying the journey, you know, which is the point of the show so far as I can see is this is a journey, a hero's journey. Yeah. This is their story. Yeah. Yep. And I'm here for it. <laughs> I don't have to always agree or like it, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Listen, <laughs> you don't have to like everything, but overall, like the reason why you keep watching isn't, and if the reason is you're watching is just for the connections, it's like, well, I mean, you know, you're entitled to that, but like, I can't, can't use you on the show folks, you know, because no, I'm in it. Don't complain about not getting what you want. I mean, yeah, that's it. It's, it's just, it just bugs me because I, it's, it, I'm by the end of the episode, I'm getting really emotional. You know, if the fact that we're all the same, we see things the same way, but we have to operate in the world differently. I was really, I thought we had gotten rid of Percy and Tony. And to be honest, in that moment, I was, I was glad because I, I don't like this Percy honing in on, on Silas's woman, not sitting well with me. That's my boy. That's my, That's, boy right. That's my boy. He was just getting his confidence up and then dimples, dimples swoops in. Get out of here. Get out of here. Know, but you know what my first thought was when Silas said, I won't stop you. Can you guess what my thought was? Uh, oh, um, he says it to Iris, right? Yeah. It won't stop you. Yeah. Um, no. What were you thinking? Daryl and Carol. Oh, oh, right. Oh, I'll never stop you. Right to the gut. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it made me instantly think of that. For her. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought, how mature, how okay. mature is this guy? I mean, look who makes it look so easy. Silas. Yeah. Come on, bro. Now, see, when I heard him say that, I thought he was thinking Iris wanted him to to stop her, and he's like, "I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop you. <laughs> like, if this is your choice, this is your choice. Go go ahead, you know." But yeah, I like I like the Daryl and Carol connection reference. Yeah, a it's just yeah, I like kind of better. well because then it's showing you know that he respects her, not that he's like, Psh, "Good luck," <laughs> which was not, not what I thought. Not like. <laughs> Now it's my chance to prove that I can be the, the hero that you are, that sort of right. thing. Like, remember what Percy says at the end? Like, come on, idiot. Like, right. It may work on other ladies. It's not going to work on me. Right. J Man, JK, Eric, I'm into it. Eric and, I, Eric and I both lost our shit when Tony stood up, too, and started walking towards Silas. And we're like, they shot him in the head. Why is that walker getting up? They shot him in the head, right? Right, right. I was thinking, oh, he's an army. I like thought of all these scenarios. He's not, he must be an army vet with those metal plates. Oh, you know? I know. I'm thinking... I'm like, did it just skim his head? Are we sure we saw it go all the way in? Yeah, and I'm like trying to play back what we saw of Tony and the bullet. And I'm like, no, it definitely got him. What's happening? <laughs> no, it's just lodged in the metal plate in his head. You know, the one that he got nom. You right? Know, like that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, t by the way, meanwhile, Tony's probably not even that much older than I am in real life, <laughs> the actor. Oh, his name is Scott Adsit. Oh, thank you. That's, that what, uh, that's what Sharon D says. Oh, 30 Rock. He was in 30 Rock. Okay, listen. What was great about the intro sequence 
sequence, what I'm calling now the intro sequence, which I, I really liked so much. I really liked that beginning sequence so much. And I was like, is that the intro? It's so clever. It says everything about the show, the beauty and the destruction, the how it went down, what we what these kids on the surface thought of what it was like before and what it is now, what they're seeing out in the world, the skeleton and everything. Like I'm like, that is so good. And it even kind of looks a little like the Walking Dead's intro sequence too, like with the photographs and all that stuff and the, oh, the sure. symbolism for who these people are. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I, I really want to see that in the next episode. Now we know we won't, but which is weird because I was so attached to it. Then we saw it in the end again. It really, really warmed my heart. But what made it even better, you didn't listen, was Patrick Watson, his song in the background. Mm -hmm. And I love Patrick Watson. Patrick Watson hits you in the heart in places mm -hmm. like, like a five finger death punch like <laughs> you don't know you're dead but you're dead yeah and i don't mean to be so grim but he is such a kind creative hauntingly singing musical person now i i have an unfair advantage of of having associate this person patrick watson with an ex-girlfriend of mine and it, it it symbolizes our relationship in a weird way it's dark it's fleeting it's it's and i kind of want to just i'm going to give you the meaning of the song he plays before i tell you the lyrics and um this is according to a reviewer who can connected with Patrick and went through what the album meant or what the song meant specifically. Okay. And uh, the song is called Here Comes the River by Patrick Watson, inspired from a postcard in Beijing where he, that he picked up in Beijing. He picked it up on, on the streets of Beijing and the streets were flooded and the cards, the postcards were on top of the hoods of cars, oh, you know? And he said, sometimes the only way to break free and let things go is you need to flood until the flood is over. Cry until you can't cry no more, right? <laughs> and that's the thing, that's the theme of, of the over overall album or the song itself and like everything you know can be wiped away in a moment's notice but we don't have to be wiped away with it so there's a little bit of that hope it's like look that can happen but we don't have to go away with it and on and usually what ends up happening is when you lose a loved one this is what i felt when someone was ripped away with for me is that it just felt like frustrating because how is the world moving on shit hold on a second how is the world able to move on i and then i feel frustrated because i can't move on with it i have to be in this stuck position until I'm ready to move. And it took me so long. It took me really, really long, like a year or two. And I going back and forth between blaming myself and because you're doing that thing that you can't reconcile how the world is able to move on. But I like the idea is you don't have to be wiped away with it. Once you start realizing that you have no choice but to move on, you do. And because everybody else is moving on anyway. Everybody else has to do their thing. Mm -hmm. And so do you. You still go to work. Even though these things occupy your thoughts, you still lend your other thoughts to these other things and things get easier. But you know, it's it's all but it's also about the song is also about learning to love yourself amidst that loss. It's like a, kind of like he, what he his exact words were. It's kind of like a love song, but to yourself. And so I, I thought all of these things at once. And so the lyrics go like this. The windows turned to fishbowls. So literally flooded fishbowls. The cities to seas. The cars were drowning underneath your feet. The children were swimming from the top of the trees. Crowds of umbrellas were staring in, in misbelief because <laughs> nothing you can do now. Well, Mary kept sewing, holding on to her TV, even if the water was rising past her knees. Like again, Mary can't move on. Can't see the forest for the trees. Ha 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 ha. That rhymes. Nobody told you it was going to be this hard. Something Something's been building behind your eyes. You lost.
lost what you hold on to. You're losing control. There ain't any words in this world that's going to cure this pain. Sometimes it's going to fall down on your shoulders, or you're going to stand through it all. Now, now here comes, the, this is the chorus. Now here comes the river. You're crying, coming on strong, and you can't keep your head above these troubled waters. But the next line is, here comes the river over the flames. Sometimes you've got to burn to keep the storm away. Sometimes, sometimes you got to jest, you know, and it's just, you got to do what you got to do because you're still here. And this is the, this is the series, sure, but this is also the, the episode too, you know, not seeing the thing for what it is, you know, a con. And it's not your fault. You're just, this is just what we do. We, oh, that's how cons are designed. You're not supposed to know. <laughs> yeah. Until, until you start to see that everybody else is moving, you know, moving on without you. And then, and that's the thing that's the beauty and the loss, but also the, the ability to love yourself through it out, you know, like you to defend yourself when you're being shitty to yourself, you know, and just letting yourself, you know, let yourself burn, just, you know, let yourself cry, let yourself burn, do what you need to do so that you can join everybody else. Yeah. And then Sharon says, we're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl. Yeah. But, you know, you have to understand that you're a fish first, right? <laughs> yeah. It's Patrick Watson is a haunting, just a haunting singer. Has that, it just, it's a great song to go with it too. And it's these kids letting themselves feel okay with being tricked. You know, it's these kids letting them, it's, they feel stupid. They feel betrayed. And it's like, look, this is our way of saying we as entertainers saying that we understand what you're going through. How do you think we felt when we realized the world turned to shit and then people started attacking us and, you know, my parents died, you know, Percy's parents died and his uncle took care of him and all that stuff. How do you think we felt when this all went down? You know, you guys had the comfort of Campus Colony, but, yeah. but oddly enough, we do see things the same way. We see the beauty in the, you know, this is why we're out here, where we see the beauty that, that you know, still exists in odd places. Listen, we, we got some great moments. Dave almost cried on air it's great you know listen it's rocking and rolling we're doing our thing but we still have to do one thing uh, i almost don't want to do it but it's the we have to go through the stinger oh yeah that we see yeah. after the credits actually after the first look into the next episode this one's a little more well i don't know i guess a little more and a little less informative yeah it actually is, <laughs> it, 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 in a weird way i think it almost reflects the episode too because they're examining test subjects the ts is in the in the are you sure it wasn't tiger and the lamb because wrong the, end of the telescope was just the last episode wasn't it oh you know what <laughs> let's not go into the stinger just yet charity actually brought me back on track felix and tony actually have a very frank frank conversation by the way about mm -hmm. how this is going to go the end of the story is tony does agree to take them wherever they want to go but not without going to this refueling station because who do you think they oh, they took the truck from they pulled back the tape showed the crm album says that's a nice fancy uh, thing you got there is that going to help <laughs> us later on now here's the thing do you believe tony when felix says yeah it'll help us get out of this bind Absolutely not. Are you kidding? This is the first time we've seen Felix step into an authoritative role. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm important. No, you don't even believe that, Felix. Shut up. So Tony doesn't <laughs> believe him when he says it can get him out of the jam, right? Eh, Tony might believe him, but I don't. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying you. I'm saying, do you think oh. Tony believes him? Because he does. He says right out, don't bullshit a bullshitter. I feel like almost Tony, yeah. like, okay, that's fine. What you said, I'll, under <laughs> I'll understand is the truth, but I'll yeah. really know that you're full of shit and I'll operate on the fact that you're full of shit, but pretend yeah. that you aren't. Yeah. Serenity's saying, hey, which which part of the CRM are you? Like, she's pretending to be a CRM soldier. Uh, oh, Kip, Campus Colony. I'm Felix. I'm from Campus Colony. Oh, we've been looking for you. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. that's not how, Tony's not going to let that happen. Or he's going to let that happen because he lied to him. Yeah. So do you, do you believe that Tony was at one point a part of CRM? 
CRM or did he steal this vehicle and disguise it? Oh no, I re so I regard that as the truth because Percy actually specifically used that that incident as part of the con in the beginning. It must have skidded off the road on the ice and crashed into whatever the once was has been the driver yeah. fishing out the pockets. It was too visceral and real because they both kind of used the same point of okay. view, right? This is the only well, way and the the best part of the the best thing you can do in a con is use a bit of truth. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Best part of a lie is when right. we can mix in the truth. Exactly. Um. Oh, so yeah. By by the way, Sharon D is so I was right. It, it was um the wrong end of a telescope because the last yes. one was Madman Across the Water. And so right. which is also funny because the test subject, telescope, science. Yep. Science, bitch. Right. Um, wrong end of the telescope. Yeah. And then Shadow Puppets <laughs> is kind of cool because of the way this stinger comes about. Well, let's talk about the stinger with Lila again. Lila uh, Belshaw. That's right. We get a last name this time. That's right. Um, and I'll get into that in a second, but the, um, it, it does kind of look almost the same. Like we're going to get the similar kind of stinger. It focuses on the scientists in the photo first. And you think it's going to go the same way again, because the way we see Lila in the, in the first stinger that we got two episodes ago is that she, she's so dispassionate, you know, she's into the work. She's not feeling anything at the time. She does look at the photo a little bit, but you know, twice, but is very into the work, very dispassionate. Doesn't seem to really guard Michael Abbott, aka test subject A402 or something like that. But in this one, it's like you get a peek behind the screen where the shadow puppets are playing. Mm -hmm. You get to see more consternation in her face. You know, the first shot is of the photo, but when you peek out and you see Lila Belshaw staring at the photo, she looks conflicted. You know, she's more maybe in mourning or worried, you know, than last time. <laughs> you know, where where she was eating a sandwich dispassionately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sharon is keeping our facts straight. It's oh, Michael Dr. Abbott. Dr. Samuel Abbott. Michael Samuel, Abbott. You're right. My bad. Played Sa Isaac. Samuel Abbott. Who looks like Samuel <laughs> Adams? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> my bad. My bad. Samuel Abbott. Right. Okay. My bad. Again, with the names, there's just so many at this point. It's hard to there keep track. There are a lot of names. Um, and last names. Surprising amount. She takes out Leo's work from the drawer. Nebraska State University Genetic Research Laboratory. Advanced Immunology. What to know in the age of the unknown. I sound like Felix now. <laughs> what to know in the age of the unknown. Known by Felix <laughs> Felix Belshaw. Anyways, no. By Dr. Leopold Bennett. <laughs> but it's weird that you have this weird kind of connection where just like Amelia Ortiz's work, she has her face in it for Elton, obviously, because he's the reader. Yep. But Leo has this uh, card that obviously Iris had made uh, depicting Hope and Iris. And in the card, it says, um, Dad, hurry up, finish saving the world so you can come home. We love you. Mm -hmm. And so I like that little connection there uh, between the two works, the way she might be regarding this work of Dr. Leo Bennett's. And my note on those two works is that like, maybe they aren't that different at all. Amelia Ortiz and Leo Bennett, mm. you know, the idea. Let's hope, let's yeah. hope their fates are different. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, what I learned from this scene is Leo's alive. Yes. Yes. Well, Lila go, confirms. Let's go through that. Cause Kublik calls her up on the phone. You only hear yep. Lila's end of the phone call though. And then yep. uh, she says, hello. Yes. I'm working that on that, but and she says, of mm. course, uh, it'll, it'll be taken care of by the time they arrive. Mm -hmm. Who's they? Hope and Iris. You think? Yes. Okay. Because I was thinking that too, but I kind of always have to do that thing that I do that annoys everybody. 
Well, I mean, I do, I, I do think that. I mean, I think that's where the breadcrumbs are leading, right? I mean, she gave them the map to get out of Campus Colony the night before they massacred everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Elizabeth, she knows. I mean, she planted that seed where their dad is. She knows they're resourceful and they're brave and they're going to make the, the travels to New York. Hopefully they make it. I mean, in her mind, she's probably thinking, hopefully they make it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, it's funny you mention that because I do want to mention one more thing, brave and hero and right, hopefully they make it. This is the mm -hmm. thing that Percy said, and I want to connect that to, we just watched an episode where Virginia calls John a hero and mm -hmm. Percy admits that like you taking a chance on me, you saying I was somebody worth saving means you're the hero. You saw right through me before I before I knew what hit me. Mm -hmm. And I just thought connecting these, again, it cannot be a coincidence that, or maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing what I want to see. I, see, I'll, you're, I'll you're admit, believing him. You're no, no, believing no. him. Well, I, I think everything he says from now on is a con. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I am, yes, yeah. I am. But th that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm <laughs> drawing the connection between how there is some weird parallel connection between The Walking Dead World Beyond and Fear the mm -hmm. Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, maybe I'm seeing what I want to see. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think we've learned after 10 years that they don't do anything by mistake. Yeah. But it just so. follows directly in these episodes. Mm -hmm. It's this, mm -hmm. oh, the hero. Who is the hero? Is John a hero? Why doesn't he like it? Blah, blah, blah. Iris seems to like it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it's this weird thing where like, um, and, and again, per having your name like Percy doesn't make it any easier. Like I yeah. want to, I want to be what my namesake is. That's what I've always wanted to be, but I needed to be well, shown that some people do really care that I may be worth saving, but going back to the stinger, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It could be them. I don't know the, the, the day that she's referring to. Uh, that, that's what I think anyway. Yeah. I could be wrong. Again, totally wrong. Sleight of hand misdirection, whatever it is. But Dr. Bennett won't be a problem, she says. Yeah, that. That's how that we know gave that he's me more, alive. That gave me more pause than than who are they. Yeah, he's not Dr. test subject. Dr. Bennett won't be a problem. Right. He's not test subject A404 or A401 mm -hmm. or A403. We never got to see who that was. He has a name. Charity says, uh, "It's." It, she also says, it's Morgan telling Grace she didn't think her life was worth saving, so she made it about his. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that made it more real was that he didn't have a test subject name. Um, and he, she, she also says, his security detail, meaning he is alive enough to have a security detail. Otherwise, yeah. we'll be like, and I get the flock out of here. Right. <laughs> so he's Security detail. We're, we're also hoping that this is Will. <laughs> I, love, I love how this is a detail and it's only one person. You know, uh -huh. the security detail won't be a problem either. And, and, I'm, and I'm still hoping it's Will. I mean, she didn't call the security detail by name. So which, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope it's Will. But here's, here's the thing. What's really interesting about where this is going is that it seems as though maybe those messages were real that he sent the girls in some way or maybe mm -hmm. a particular version or one of the two things that came in is is the real message mm -hmm. right so and which makes me think also that the the second one wasn't and the first one was the the, the, the one the, that was the clearly written one or the messed up one the first one is real the messed up one and the second one it wasn't was because it was more neatly laid out don't bring felix okay you know that but, one yeah because okay. it seems as though they just want the girls like don't tell felix meaning mm -hmm. even though he knows so that, ah, that's the thing, right? Felix knows about the cabinet. They made sure that we knew that they knew that Felix knew about the Felix cabinet. Felix knew about... <laughs> I followed that. I did. <laughs> so they, they don't know everything. It's so it's so cool. Mm -hmm. So one of them definitely was of him. And the second one was like, oh, I am in trouble. Matter of fact. Oh, I love you, Hope and Iris. 
Yeah. You know, interesting. So mm. I, I don't know where they are, who they will be at or where, what is going on, but we're getting a clearer picture now. And I'm a somewhat clearer picture. Of course. Thank you, Lieutenant Girl. So we find out it's her. Now here's the thing. Lila stares into a noticeably vacant, dark red examination room. Whereas last time, two weeks ago, it was a bright blue dark. <laughs> <laughs> So there's like that contrast turning up yeah. slash down thing uh examination room trying to hide her consternation it's like almost a flip from what last the last episode was where as before it was more matter of fact and completely emotionless bright blue vibrant things are happening this is more like nothing's happening all around her is quiet but you hear you hear the, the walker noises at the end right as the camera pans the further, farther we pull away mm -hmm. right into the lab the walker sounds start elevating as the camera pans out from her examination area which is yeah. still blue inside the room ish but like red dark something's gone wrong something's gone wrong here so it's it's very interesting all right this is hmm this is kind of way out there now that i'm saying it out loud <laughs> but i when i saw the empty room and having heard the conversation she just had with Kublik, I I was thinking they're getting that area ready for for these girls to show up. They're gonna they're gonna clean things up and make this place look like something else. And when she said, you know, Dr. Uh, Leo's not gonna be a problem, meaning he's gonna go along with whatever lie it is they're gonna try and tell the girls about what this place is. Right. I'm not sure to what end, but I I got the impression that they were gonna basically sweep everything under the rug that they didn't want Hope and Iris to see. And well Part of that was hiding all of these test subjects right oh yeah that could be it too so i i'm, I'm really operating off i don't know what to think but i think i, I don't either i yeah. think you're on the right track like <laughs> making things seem like it like it's a different thing yes is is a huge benefit to them because if if they knew that the stinger if they had an idea that what it really is is the stinger of two episodes ago that it's rock and rolling like things are happening mm -hmm. they might think oh you know oh they're way ahead of the game than we are we have to up our game it's campus calling blah 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 Whatever. I don't yeah. know, or something like that. <laughs> They're impressed. So to dumb down the kind of, oh, we're just but a poor outpost. Oh, mm -hmm. we really have nothing going on for us. We're not 200,000 people strong. Yeah. There's cobwebs we everywhere. Share, we all share one microscope to do our studies. Yes. And, and it's kind of broken. <laughs> hovel, yeah. hovel, hovel, hovel. Poor Leo yeah. Bennett, you can go home. <laughs> or can you? Well, yeah, I don't know if they'll let Leo go, but right. but yeah, I got the impression that they were going to try and sell this place to Hope and Iris as something that it's not. Right, exactly. It, I like I like what you're saying. It, it makes sense, and it the reason why it makes even more sense is it maps on to what we see in the next episode, which is them going to a refueling facility. You see the cobwebs in that facility, and you're like, oh, it's not active, right? Right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not right, but maybe it is. But maybe it's not. But maybe that's the, what they want. You to think. <laughs> if you happen to stumble on it, they want. They want you to see, oh, it's been abandoned. Ooh, what uh -huh. is that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to pay attention to where the cobwebs are placed, right? Yes. Because if, if it's webby in areas where people don't normally travel, but, you know, you got your vehicles and those are, aren't cobwebbed. I mean, they even could be. I mean, shit, I've, I've had my car parked just out front for a day and a spider has made a web like, between my car and the mirror. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Exactly. It does, it's not going to take long for for any spider to make its home on something that's been sitting there for a minute. But you know literally. those those dusty cobwebs with the dust kind of falling off. Of okay. The yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a way I'm sure they have. Oh, let's like, let's use the, the spider web gun. <laughs> you know, like, like spider like these spider webs are so old, even spiders don't live in them anymore. Right. They're like, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> we moved out of that neighborhood ages ago. Yeah. 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 Even even the spider who built it doesn't live there anymore. Yeah, God. <laughs> it's like it's like going back to your old ho- home in that bad neighborhood. Like, I remember it. Oh, get them, get the fuck out of here. I like I like living in a high rise. <laughs> Nisa says this is all making me very nervous. Uh, haha, I don't want them to get there. And uh, Shandy says, oh, environmental experiments like in the last singer. So maybe that's why it's red. Who knows? Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, she did say that. <laughs> God, and she, and she said Miss Muffet moved in and gentrified it. CRM. <laughs> <laughs> Little Miss Muffet, CRM puppet. Anyway, (laughs) eating your curds and whey. Again, this was one of those episodes where I knew that we wouldn't, we have a little bit more fun with it. We can go places here and there, shoot back and forth because this is really fun. It is a fun watch. Mm -hmm. It's good to see if you pay attention, Percy kind of working on these people. It's very imperceptible, but you do notice it on second watch. He's like latching onto this person, latching, okay, let me give more of that. Let me push more of that on her. Let me get her to turn on her, you know, technically, or her to turn on her. Anyway, so <laughs> you do you do see it, and it's it's really fun to watch. It's good to see even the cup trick again because then you can actually see where the ball falls in front of him, and he catches it. You know, we I, we you see these shows all the time where magicians catch people in the street and they try to try to trick them or whatever. Right. And I keep telling Eric, I'm like, why am I never in these places where these magicians are? Because no magician has ever come up and tried to trick me. They can, they can spot you a mile away. They know who maybe, you are. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You're the magician's but, folly. <laughs> but I just, I just. I want to be someplace and I want some street med magician to walk up to me and try and pull a trick on me and then I pull it on him instead. <laughs> oh, you better be ready because you got to think of a cool illusionist trick to kind of play on them. And you know who I want it to be? David fucking Blaine. Fuck Blaine. Wait, now you got to explain that. Why fuck oh, David I, Blaine? I hate David Blaine. I'm not really so into he myself. Is a, David Blaine is a TV magician. That is not real magic. Right up there with Copperfield. <laughs> oh. Is that because he's not old school? Well, they're TV magicians. So what does that mean? It means anybody can do magic on television if you know how to edit properly. In front of, in front of a live... Oh, well, like, well, Copperfield did, did his thing under uh, with a live audience, though. Magic isn't real. Magic is real. Illusion is different. Yeah. Con- conjuring. Conjuring is just such a better... That's why I think right. conjuring is a better word. It, it's more... <laughs> it mixes the lore plus the actual. It's not real. Now, see, when you say conjure, it makes me think of, like, spirit spirits and demons and otherworldly things like conjuring up something that doesn't belong here. Well, yeah, because it makes it more <laughs> than what it is, right? Because you are you are creating the illusion. Yeah. You, know? you are the conjurer. That's why it's not just I'm an illusionist, you know, mm-hmm. I make you see a thing or not see a thing. No, no, you are creating, the, you are conjuring the illusion. So that's the, there's a, an act. It's yeah. more, com- well, it's more complimentary to the magician. That's why I want to, that's why I want to meet David Blaine. I, I need I need David Blaine to perform in front of me before I can say he's a, a magician or not because what I see on TV is bullshit. <laughs> I love it. I love this. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm not I'm nonplussed. I do like the more hands-on magicianry, like the the, yeah. the the conjure because it's more like you have to realize, and maybe this is what you're drilling down on, is that like it's more fun to make you believe that you saw one thing and then they show you a different thing rather than something where like I bet I can pull a car out of my ass like that who cares yeah. I, don't, I don't really care that you made a boat appear from nowhere like yeah. i i, I want to that you how did this happen like oh we put a thing on that and it turned into 50 million ladies and oh, what no i don't care about that i care that no. you made me think i i would see one thing and then i turned into be it turned out to be a 
whole other thing. I want, yeah. I like that play. The grand illusions are, are less impressive to me than the close-up in your face, the close-up magic. I, I like close-up magic because right. you're right there, you see it. When you're watching something on a stage, it's like, oh yeah, well, lights well, and well, cameras. <laughs> well, isn't it also better because there is a human component to it? It connects with you. Whereas the, sure, the grand, mm -hmm. whereas David Blaine's latest, because he used to be a street magician. We have to acknowledge that he used to be a street on magician. television. Um, I think it, well, he got picked up and, and put on television too. That's the, he used to be one of those people. Yeah. Right. And then he went on to do grander, you know. Maybe. Because, we, he says he used to do street magic. I've only ever seen him on television. Oh, I, so just, I, the, I can't speak to that. In the early days of the internet, like I, he would put on these things where he would be fucking with real people. This is, remember when they used to call him the demon? Like, oh, you, like he would be pulling shit on people in the street. Like, I remember like, who did this? Uh, Mad TV actually did a, a skit on that. Like mm -hmm. people thinking he was the demon okay like it, it, oh like, didn't didn't dave Chappelle call him a demon too yeah i am sure a lot of a <laughs> lot of black people yeah. called him a demon <laughs> so, oh, so anyway I could watch the, all day. the whole point he, he went on to do but his new magic or his new illusions have been more isolating they've been disconnected from people i mean you still see this illusion but it's more so, like not trying to trick others but it's more been more when like more like harry houdini feats of strength uh, feats of strength or or feats of unshackling or something like that that's Sort of illusion where you're disconnected from the audience. See, I like um, I like Chris Angel. He does he does Houdini acts. Well, because he fucks with people. Yeah, yeah. he still fucks. Well, with and people. he he puts his bot he puts his body through the ringer. I mean, he yeah he's he does Houdini illusions. You know what I mean? He puts himself through these tricks. And and yeah, I I, I like Chris Angel. I appreciate his craft. Yeah, yeah, and even the, even the amazing Randy, like he put his body on the line. But in mm -hmm. look, David Blaine does too. But like they are more disconnected. They are more for the show rather than for the I don't know, maybe the, like the triumph over adversity. It doesn't feel like I care. That's the thing. Like when David Blaine's latest tricks have come out, I think more and more people be like, why should I care that you did that? <laughs> that that's really the main thing. Yeah. For, mo for some people like you and me. And that's why, I mean, I, that's why I never, I don't care. I, I, I guess I haven't seen David Blaine do, do what you're describing. I, just what I've seen, I don't like. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't like him as a magician. I don't respect him as a magician. I don't acknowledge him as a magician <laughs> there you go thank you for joining us uh, you know and yeah bye thank <laughs> just you. kidding if you like what you heard head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us but listen we're humans we want to do better let us know what you like well, let us know what you don't like and if you have any suggestions put them in there too anything it all helps us and if you really like us like i said in the top of the show you can go to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead just follow us you'll get to know us a little better you know and if you do follow us you'll know when our unedited episodes drop you know the unedited episodes that you can get for free like right after this recording did you get them yet did you get them you didn't right now. <gasps> right now well you're missing out and it's a pay what you want model so if you feel inspired to give us anything and you happen to reach three dollars you will unlock our supporter backed content on coffee.com slash squawking dead ko-fi.com slash squawking dead where you'll get unedited episodes for free and the ability to be with us in these episode recordings so what are you waiting for and with that, thank you so much for joining us, Nisa and 
Sharon D, thank you so much. Can't wait to break down the Fear of the Walking Dead tomorrow. Do, 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 do. Have a good night. So we'll people. have to wait till 3 a.m. before we can watch it. Though, right? <laughs> we can even watch it. Yeah. Oh, God. Sharon <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> D said, it's, Yeah. Squawking Dead's better than AMC. Plus. Right. I said, At me, even though she didn't say at me. That's right. We deliver. When we say we're going to give you something, you get it. You get it right after. That's, That's right. right. Fuck SMV. I mean, AMC. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, speech to text. Daniel, <laughs> correct. <laughs> Love you guys. Have a good night. Take care. Enjoy yourselves. And we'll see you next time.